and welcome to Dawson's Weekly, a podcast about Dawson's Creek, hosted by Catherine and Katie. Ho, ho, ho's. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho's indeed. Putting the ho into ho or something like that. Something, something, something. Putting the ho into holiday. Yes. I just had a conversation actually with some colleagues today about sitting on Santa's knee and how that's not a thing anymore. I didn't realise it wasn't a thing because I don't have children. I'd hoped it wasn't a thing for obvious reasons <laughs> but yeah it's not a thing is anymore. it not a thing I mean I don't I haven't Apparently taken not. my children to see Santa really because of Covid what? and everything like that an absolute humbug you are I mean that I is know a very well good reason. but also now they're kind of a bit like my 10 year old daughter clearly is like fucking Santa yeah. our why do you yeah. think parents and my, my son probably isn't too far off so no Oh, well, they've never had the joy of sitting on a dodgy elderly man's knee in the days before um, <laughs> DBS checks were even a thing. That's oh what we were subjected God, yeah. to. So on top of Dawson's Creek, we had that as well. Um, <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. No wonder we're all so fucked up. Very, very Merry Christmas fucking Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> So this is an episode that's obviously released right before Christmas, if you're listening to it around when it's released. We are in the run-up to the big day. If you're not listening at Christmas, just remember, Oho is for life, not just for Christmas. <laughs> Keep on listening. Very important piece of advice. So I know that we've been kind of hit and miss recently, and I think season five, episode three, and season five, episode four are kind of the reasons why, because we had a big thing about not particularly wanting to release these, especially episode four, as our Christmas episode. So instead, <laughs> episode jolly, three, jolly Christmas, which is a lot more jolly. <laughs> but it's like we wanted to get a Dawson's out, but. At the same time, we really didn't want, as I said, particularly episode four to be that Christmas episode. So we have messed around a bit and we hope that you enjoyed The Young Americans with Nads and Jess from Intolerant. And we've got a Would You Rather coming out and that'll be out on the 26th, which is Boxing Day in the UK. But I don't know if that exists in any way, shape or form in the rest of the world. But the day after Christmas. Definitely. It whatever you call it. I think it's a Germanic tradition. Correct me if oh, I'm wrong, there we German go. listeners. But yeah. Uh, Americans will just be like, what? You go boxing? I mean, to be fair, everyone, <laughs> everyone's so pissed and fucked off by Boxing Day that there are probably quite a few fights. But that's not why it's called Boxing Day, people. No, anyway. it's not. Anyway, <laughs> so I do want to say as well, like we have one of the other reasons that we've been a little bit hit and miss recently is because we have been super, super busy. I am very aware that I've had some Instagram messages and some emails that I haven't responded to or properly responded to. And That's I really apologise. is the only person who responds to these <laughs> and has to, bless her, be a fighter herself whilst also looking after two children and a very important job um, whilst I just sit there and pissed. Um, so thank you, Catherine. Well... <laughs> No, well, no, but I do. I enjoy it, and I love speaking to our listeners and things like that. And I know it gives you Not a bit that of anxiety. I don't enjoy which is, people, no, but it gives you a, a bit really of anxiety. Weird introverted extrovert. Make it make sense. <laughs> no, I've got fucking anxiety, Katie, because I haven't responded to people. So if you've got in touch with us, I'm like super sorry. So like Angela, for instance, got in touch to talk about how people did room. So we got a few messages about people rooming together in the US and in, in the UK as well. A couple of people said it in was a thing. Maybe in the maybe in the 90s. Warwick University was brought up to me actually. Yeah. Do you know what? I've got a very vague recollection when I was doing um, my 
deciding which universities I wanted to apply to and I'm fairly certain that there was a couple that I just nubbed the fuck out of there because they did have shared rooms and that would have just sent me I mean I I wouldn't be here now dear listener let's put it that way (laughs) well a lot of people are saying in the UK yeah that wasn't a thing but someone did bring up worry I think there was a couple of exceptions a few people were saying there was some absolute but like some batshit stories which maybe i'll see if i can read in the would you rather so if you've got any batshit roommate stories it's crazy now batshit roommate stories would be brilliant and i and this sounds really perverse but anybody who had to put up with their roommate fucking somebody in the same room i really want to hear about from from a funny perspective and not because i'm going to get off over it or anything although depending on what they look like i can't guarantee that i won't well someone's Someone's boyfriend's roommate liked wolf porn and we'll leave it at that i shall i will check that they're okay with the story being read at wolf porn and i will read the story out if they're okay with it wolf porn that's a very i mean i i am not a kink shamer i have many many interesting likes um that's a new one for me but there we go do not google it do not google it (laughs) on my work computer (laughs) but Rhiannon email yeah exactly after what the story you've just told me about um going on a a shopping site yeah shopping website (laughs) and I got I got a warning that it was uh, an inappropriate website because it contained swimsuit stock lingerie and they had my full name at the bottom of the little pop-up warning so my IT department already has its eyes on me if I go from that to wolf porn I mean <laughs> no chance I Absolutely didn't think anyone no could get sacked in the civil service but I am pushing it it's gonna be you <laughs> it's gonna be me it's gonna be me Rhiannon also emailed me about the email we read out last episode and thank you as always for your emails Rhiannon and I'm so sorry I haven't responded Victoria also emailed me and we are going to talk a little bit about her email because I think it's quite important but I'm going to bring that in in the episode when we're talking about Jack and Sigma I I like this beginning it reminds me of those radio shows you know like readers letters (laughs) <laughs> and like the love stories and things maybe that's what we diverge into next we go back to old school readers letters although obviously they're going to be emails now because because yeah because nobody can be fucked to write and my right handwriting is illegible whatever but yeah if anyone wants to if anyone wants to send us a love story a hate story any kind of a story i like it i like i will start putting out calls on instagram and twitter for anything people want to talk about and we'll stick it all in the bonus episode next week yeah. eh? how about that yeah mate? we'll just we'll just have a little pick a mix like a picky tea of um like a picky tea picky tea that's very english of readers stuff of readers things yep that's what we'll do sounds good let's do that give us let's all of it that. everyone and we'll read it all out or how we'll all laugh or cry or cry whatever you want or us feel to do, sexually we'll aroused whatever you want all us of to these do. things both <laughs> part yeah there, there is a line There's, i want to hear about it listen I don't want to develop any feelings for wolves i've only just got away from um do you remember beauty and the beast years ago when ron Perlman hmm. played the beast oh yeah sexual awakening so i I, oh. I do have odd feelings towards lions not like that but maybe anyway. katie's just Let's realized a kink at the age of very but i am a leo so it would be like me oh, that would well. make <laughs> and nothing makes it all happier because there is nobody better in bed than me anyway i'm fucking good at sleeping someone also <laughs> sent us that really funny leo thing about love language it's all of them it <laughs> apart from the one that doesn't do gifts and it's like no i just like do things although actually no please just fix my fireplace and buy me gifts and i'm yours 
Oh God, I feel like I'm doing like um some sort of like Tinder <laughs> via podcasting. <laughs> that could oh, be our next God. thing. That could be our next thing. That just be Katie's Tinder via podcasting. Like, that like could the, batch, be a thing the Bachelorette. Like Blue sky thinking over here. Right, let's talk about this fucking episode, season five, episode three, Cape Side Revisited. Da, da, da. An interesting ep in some ways. <laughs> yes. No, well, I just thought there was some interesting stuff going on here and... I don't, I don't know, like, obviously we're going to get into it and we're going to talk about it in quite a lot of depth because that's what the fucking podcast is. I, d- I don't know if anyone... We like yeah. depth. We like depth. <laughs> right, so let's get into this episode and we'll see where we get to. So we've got Audrey, Jen and Joey at Pacey's Restaurant. I caught this straight away. I was like, all right, I get where this scene's going. Yes. Because... Audrey's saying it's an amazing restaurant. Such a good write-up in the um, Boston fucking timeout or whatever. And I'm sorry, I know I'm a cynical twat, but I am, deal with it. Like, where are you getting all this money from, girls? Pua Joey Potter ain't Pua Joey Potter no more. She's got a mobile phone and she dines at Boston's finest restaurants. All right, my disbelief suspended. Uh, Even when I was at university with my quite lucrative career, you know, it didn't really get much further than Azizi's. But yeah, you go, girls. You go. Absolutely. But they're having a lovely dinner and they're having a bit of banter. Isn't that lovely? The definition of banter here is very... (laughs) It's very loose. Yes, it's very loose. But they're sort of talking about Joey and Audrey's relationship, which is nice. And then Jen's phone goes and it's clearly Charlie. I mean, fine. Audrey asks if we like him and Joey's like, we don't know him. And she keeps him to herself. I mean... Of all the people I wouldn't be spilling my guts to, it's Joey anyway. Well, there's a lot made in this episode about Jen and Charlie and how long they've known each other and things like that, which I'm going to talk about in a sec because it's very, I don't know, it doesn't seem to make much sense to me. Yeah, yeah, no. Why would it? It's Dawson's Creek. But yeah, Audrey basically likens it to nine and a half weeks, which I'm really confused about because she's seeing somebody and not really speaking about it and nine and a half weeks is about a couple that get together and then it becomes very sexual it becomes very obsessional and there's the very famous food scene where they take various different items out of the fridge and I was just like Graham's fridge like I don't I don't want to think of like Jen getting jack milk poured all over her by Charlie I'm sorry I'm no prude but don't do that to Graham's fridge however Audrey I've got to say it's fuck all like nine and a half weeks but whatever um, <laughs> yeah. but what, what they're basically trying to get at basically is, is she about, just saying they're shagging sex. they're shagging and, and for some reason this is the way we do it through the medium of, of a film about a really shagging film that has nothing to do oh it's just like the postman always rings twice no it's not so Jen hangs hmm. up and she's asked if it's a booty call and she, she pretty much agrees and joey asks if she's gonna go and jen says that she could use the snuggles and like i am not oh, right I, I am not casting on anybody's lifestyle choices if you like snuggles that's great there is a time and a place for snuggles i can you know i can get down with that especially in this weather it's fucking freezing it's I will fucking freezing and anything but <laughs> by very definition a booty call tends to be less about the snuggles and more about the cold hard or hot fucking mm, that, that's, that's my recollection but I also hate this thing that women like snuggles. We like emotion. We don't like sex. And it carries sex through the entire episode. Like, yeah, fuck that, that's exactly seriously. it. Like, women like snuggles and emotions, and men just want to bang. And that's how it is. And I didn't like it. And Audrey's saying, you know. If only you guys knew how easy it was to yeah, make us happy. 
oh, which is just absolute bullshit. And Joey sort of comes in and says, well, even if they did know, they'd still screw it up, which is, mm, yeah, probably mm, quite All right, accurate. fair enough. Snuggling and to them is just a means, means to, an, to end. an end. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine snuggling and then having sex. It'd be sex and then snuggles for me. Maybe I'm doing it all wrong, people. Um, I don't know. Um, but oh, it's just like, can we not just enjoy sex? And also, for no, me, okay. I, I don't even think I can say the word snuggling again, unless I bring up the copious amounts of food that I've eaten today because I may or may not be a bit hungover. But I find <laughs> snuggling with somebody more intimate than having sex with them maybe you know cast whatever aspersions you want on that but for me that's mm-hmm. quite intimate so if I had a booty call with somebody or a one night stand with somebody I would quite happily be gone before they woke up so that we didn't have to do anything like that the thought of sleeping in a bed or snuggling with somebody that I don't really have any sort of an emotional connection with but have a sexual connection with leaves me cold I understand that different people are different but can we not just take this one homogenous mass of girls just like snuggles and boys just want to blow their load because it really fucks me off well it's just something that carries through this entire episode which oh. I don't really Really like is that you've got to have a relationship and it's got to be about emotions and snuggles and this is what women like and men just want to fuck man like I don't like it and it's it like essentially this episode is about Jen trying to unfuck a fuck boy isn't it and it's, yeah it's unfuck, unfuck and a fuck like boy it. who said he wasn't a fuck boy when we all knew he was a fuck boy and honestly I just like fucking just oh whatever do you know what I mean? Like, I totally know what you mean. And this, if, I mean, bit, and I understand that relationships with fuckboys can turn into something more if you want them to. And all unlikely, though. Come on, I, I, every single one of my relationships has been at one night stand that went wrong. To be fair, but um, I'm a Leo and I'm fucking mint in bed. <laughs> oh, sorry, I meant, I mean, right, <laughs> I mean wrong, I mean fucking. Let's move on. But yeah, but this it's really, next really bit. Tell me what you thought about this because Jen is like, well, I've known him for a week and I don't know anything about him. And I was a like, week? week's not that long, Jen, especially if you're banging. But I wouldn't expect to know that. I also, like, if I knew if if I was really sexually attracted to somebody, that first week is going to be all about the bang. Um, I don't really Except, care about anything but just else. One week. It's one week. It's been one week, one week since you fucked me. <laughs> I just I slept I in and I was late for my grand's tea. But Jen mentions this a number of times and it's like she's really bothered by it. And and this is what I don't like about it is that it's like, well, it's been a week. If you've shagged him, you should know stuff about him. Come on, ladies, get it together. Force so that I was shagging for a week was asking me like all of these questions. So I would be like mental stalker alert. Um, goodbye. <laughs> but then I'm weird. <laughs> You're not anywhere. They t- I needed that. <laughs> they talk a bit about Charlie's underwear, whatever. Because that's Joey's- all she knows about him, apparently. Because what else well, would you know about him? Whatever. You'd, you'd know a bit more about them, let's be honest. <laughs> Just a bit more. He basically says that he likes um, gap boxes. And Audrey's like, oh, well, that's not so bad. It could be worse. And Jen's like, what? It, it, Audrey basically says it could be tighty whities Apologies to any men listening who were them. Um, but also ick. Um, and Joey's like, on that note, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, oh, what are you going to do? Sick. Knock one out of the sort of a man in tighty whities <laughs> Like... <laughs> Go, Joey. And we found Joey's fetish. But no, it turns out that <laughs> no, she just wants excuse. to be judged. Oh, and, and sorry, she also says, um, when she comes back, it'd be really good if this episode of Sex and City had come to an end. Because as we all remember, the, the original, and I will argue till the day I die, the best series of Sex in the City, what they used to do is drink cosmopolitans and talk about snuggling. <laughs> <laughs> Love to fucking snuggle that woman. She was snuggled from one end of New York to the other. 
She was Snuggles <laughs> raw. Bullshit. But Jen calls her Charlotte at that point. And then Joey, which is what we knew, we knew this scene was going to end this way, gets up and sees Percy working in the kitchen through a door. And she is very shocked. Cue the titles. So, fair enough. Then we've got Jen and Joey. We go straight back into this. And Joey is saying to Jen, I wonder how, like, how long he's been in town. And Jen's like, he's been in town for three and a half weeks. Yeah, and Joey's like, if I was how Jen, do I'd you know? Like, oh, I wonder how long he's been in town too. Do you know what I mean? She kept the secret for Percy. And my kind of return on investment for that would be, just don't ever tell Joey that I knew because no good can come of this. Um, but instead, Jen's like, oh, no, no, he's been in town for this long. And, and, and Joey works out that obviously Jen knew what was going on. And yep. Jen admits that she knew that she was he was in Boston, but not that he was working in that restaurant, which stands to reason because why the fuck could she have gone there? Go? Yep. Joey is understandably really annoyed that she didn't tell her. And Jen says that he made her swear that she wouldn't, which... I get. I get it as well. And, I did think on But this. at the same time, I was trying to work out who she's got more loyalty to because the person I think you have more loyalty to is the one who you, yeah. Which is quite sad, really, because they were building her friendship up. I mean, if it was you and I, and you were like, oh, yeah, I knew that the love of your life was just like knocking around the corner, but he told me not to tell you, that would be, I would be fucking furious and vice versa. Um, so I guess it plays into the dynamic of their relationship in that it they, does. as much as they're forcing this friendship, they don't really have that sort of a friendship, that deep of a friendship, or else this wouldn't even be a thing. In episode one, Jen did say that she was eventually going to tell people she was just giving Percy a bit of space. And so that is all that Jen really needed to say, wasn't it? Is that mm. I I was going to tell you, but I just thought he deserved a bit of space and a chance to tell you first. Like it's only been a couple of weeks. So I don't know. But yeah, I do understand why Jen did it. I don't really have a massive problem with it. It doesn't feel unbelievable to me. So fair enough. And basically they're talking about like Joey goes to leave and Jen says like, do you not want to see him and talk to him? And Joey's like, I do, but he clearly doesn't want to see me. He doesn't want to see me. And Jen's like, you don't know that. And Joey says three and a half weeks suggests that I do know that, that he doesn't Three and a half, not nine and a half. Uh, Yeah, I know. Did I say nine and a half? (laughs) No, 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 no. It's just the fact that they put half a week in there and they've been talking about nine and a half weeks. There's a really tenuous link. Let's move on. (laughs) It's it's a multiple of three and a half. Um, But basically, yeah, Joey's... Numerology. Um, if If he wanted to see me, he would have got in touch with me and he wouldn't have asked you not to tell me. So that's the end of that scene that Joey knows now Percy is in town. And luckily, can I just say, luckily this episode, the episode doesn't revolve around Joey being annoyed at Jen for not telling her. So thank you, Dawson's Creek writers, because I did think at that point, oh, fuck, are we going to have to have a, a whole episode of Jen trying to explain her actions yet again? But no, yeah. so that's good. Then we've got Dawson staying with Grams. <laughs> I mean, Grams and her elastic house. Like, seriously. <laughs> well, he seems to be standing on the She couch, might as well though. just call it the YMCA and have them with it. Do you know well, what I mean? It's just like... It's well, she says it feels, point, like, it feels like Paris in the 20s. I don't know what she's referring to there. If Grams is either on or off her meds at this point because she makes a couple <laughs> of really I think Grams videos. is on opium if it's Paris <laughs> in the 20s. She's like, it isn't. You've got Dawson, like, smelling up your couch with his teenage stank. But whatever. And... She, she does make him Rice Krispie up. Squares. 
but not crepes. Um, she mentioned, I'm surprised they didn't get like some sort of stinky French person um, horrible trope in there because they really seem to hit the French. But no, um, everybody in France breathed a sigh of relief. They've decided not to bother this time. So we have mentioned that it gets mentioned that Dawson's got a bus trip tomorrow. And basically, yeah, he's going home to tell his parents that he's a fucking loser, really. And he couldn't stick out more than three weeks at UC, wherever the fuck he is. USC! Um, whatever UCLA I'm obsessed <laughs> um because you know he got director was nasty to him and he's got no friends for him. ah yeah um, but have you not noticed that the story's changed quite considerably from yes, that yeah no it very much has but Dawson's saying that you know how can he be so sure and so nervous of something at the same time and Grams agrees that staying in Boston is a big decision and Dawson basically says that he can handle the decision but he's worried about telling his parents that means he can't handle the decision Dawson because the a big part of the decision involves your parents who are currently financing your non-existence at UC, uh, UC at fucking hell, California! USC! <laughs> USC didn't used to be a, a footwear shop in the UK, and I think in my head... Yeah, yeah. Old, yes! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I cannot, yeah. Dawson lives in a shoe shop. <laughs> Goes to university in a shop that sells Grand mid-level brands. Then Gwen <laughs> and says that the truth will set him free. And Dawson mm. suggests that uh, because he's a cop out that he writes them a letter instead. Dear mum, sorry, I was going to try and do it. Um, dear slim thing, but it was just going to be. Terrible. I'll, spare, I'll spare everybody's blushes, including my own. <laughs> I've left you see the shoes where shit, the director was mad. I still got it fucking wrong, but yo, you still have to pay. Grams basically says if Moses could face the pharaoh, then he can face his parents. Like Grams, what are you on? Seriously, she's found Dawson's edibles. Dawson turns off. Grams is off her face. Go on. <laughs> That's yeah, exactly sorry, what... sorry, mum and dad, I've killed a lot of Israelites, uh, and I'm also leaving you. Yeah, quite a bad. Yeah, there's no parity there, but whatever. <laughs> Sorry, let's have a... some fat brass to light, lighten the load. <laughs> oh God! Um, right, Jack is at this. Well, I thought he was at a bar, but he's playing a computer game, and he's not. He's at this frat house, and he's playing a game and wins. And the guy next to him like starts hugging him, and then another guy comes over, and it's this whole scene where like people are being really nice to Jack and asking him questions about himself. And there is something that I, in fact, there are a few scenes this episode related to Jack and this Sigma house that I found vaguely sinister. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more, a little bit more in the next, in the next scene afterwards. But basically someone's asking about like how his classes are going and Jack's like, they're all right. And he's someone, Paula Bear. Paula Bear. Let's just let Paula that settle. So they, and this guy's blossom. And then we get Pete, like Willett or something, with a well, perfectly normal I couldn't, name. I couldn't make out any of these so I think names. the guy he's talking to somehow is called Blossom. The other guy's Paula Bear, and the golfing guy is Pete Willard because he couldn't be asked to find a funny nickname for him. <laughs> um, because frat bras! <laughs> well, <laughs> frat bras for life. Well, Paula Paul Bear's the one who says, like, I'll tell you about the pop quiz. Like, here's my card, give me a card call. Out. 
Yeah, and then some other guy. Also American Psycho. Pete um, Willard <laughs> comes over and starts talking about golf. And Jack's like, why is everyone a fucking massive creep who knows everything about me? Yeah, they, they give him his favourite meal, which is a jacket potato and a beer. Like, aim higher, Jack, seriously. <laughs> um, <laughs> but and what they're doing, so basically they think that Jack is rushing, which is the stage where I think you enter a university and you can you start to sort of size up um, sororities or fraternities and decide which one you want to go. And if you want to get in one, you then pledge from there on in. So they, mm. uh, Polar Bear basically says, you know, a bid for Sigma is a bid for life. So they make oh, is it sure not they know Blossom? Is can. it not the other guy? Blossom. Oh, sorry, I thought it was Paul. Anyway, Frat Bra says a bid for <laughs> Sigma is a bid for life. So they want to make sure they know as much as the people, about the people that are rushing that they can. And at this point, you know, they're putting so much into how they find so much out about people that I'm starting to feel mm. like it would be quite impossible that they haven't found certain things out. And that's just hanging over me at this point in the episode. Mm. And I, we'll see how that develops as the episode goes on. But this exactly kind of started thing. when um, the guy initially tried to sort of get him into the frat when they were at the party. And he was like, you know, we were frat bro for life and all the rest of it, blah, blah, blah. So Jack basically tries to say something that's probably like, I'm not actually bothered about rushing. And Paula Blair's just like, I accept the pledge that you haven't actually made. But consent isn't really a big deal to these frat guys, clearly. So there we go. Jack has now made a pledge yeah. that he, he didn't, didn't actually move his mouth to make. Exactly. I, yeah, I, the language, particularly in this scene and the next scene with these frat bras is particularly interesting. I really want us to unpack it a little bit more in the next scene, but there is something cultish about it. And I don't know if they were doing that on purpose or I don't know if it's my reading of it, Katie, because I really want to be careful about our reading. So we'll, we'll get into it a bit more because we're going to go back to the restaurant because the beautiful Rachel, whose name, there's so many bloody new bit characters, isn't there? Whose name I no, don't know, but she comes Karen. in really loud. Why do I know the it's name? Karen, it is, it's Karen, it is, you're right. She comes oh. in slagging off a loudmouth I'm like an idiot girl. savant. <laughs> a loud, you're a loudmouth blonde girl that um, oh, yeah. has been slagging off. No, but she, which who I actually thought was probably Audrey. Was Audrey, because but she we does never a very Audrey out. voice. But she's basically returned her Caesar salad because she doesn't like anchovies. Which is quite interesting because some Caesar salads menu. do, some Caesar salads don't. What they tend to do is put it on this thing called the menu. If it's not on the menu, and I find in America Caesar salads tend to have anchovies, in England not so much, ask. But anyway, well, <laughs> just a little tip Why for anyone ordering a Caesar salad. But Percy's response to her complaint is so... Which yeah, Percy's in the it, smartest thing, Percy. Percy's because... in a proper mood. Uh, Karen basically says he wouldn't understand. And Percy takes this as an opportunity not to try and sympathise with her, but to bitch that Danny's hired him as a new cook, but won't let him cook. Instead, he's potato peeling. Right. I shit you not. I shit you not. This is Percy's storyline. This Seriously. Episode. Like, you cannot just go into being a fucking chef. You, do you know also, what I mean? Uh, like Percy, and, and it kind of comes to something at the end of the episode, but literally the episode is pretty much by, bar one scene, Percy complaining about how he is not allowed to cook. Let's do better, Dawson's Creek writers, please. Yeah, I mean, really? it's not... Because he just sounds great. like a spoilt little shit and he's not... It, yeah, he really does. And he must understand how, like, you work your way up and all the rest of it. And He, and, he totally and, does. 
Karen has a go at him for not wearing a hat and mentions health regulations. Also, if you're going to be a little upstart about things like that, I wouldn't be having you cooking either because what I don't want to find in my Caesar salad is anchovies and also your hair. <laughs> so he, he's like quite facetious and says he'd rather wear a pair of chaps. In my head, I went to, you know, those chaps that people wear with nothing else. Anyway, um, I digress. That. But then let's the all take a moment for that, but sure. I'll take that. But Pacey basically then starts to have a go at Karen and says that she's normally talking. And Karen says, look, do you not think I've got better things to do than standing around the kitchen yakking it up with you? Which I assume means talking. In England, it means being sick. So this sick is yakking. all kinds of wrong. And um, please yak. don't yak in the kitchen. You've got a Caesar salad with yak and Pacey hair in it now. Like, it's it. And anchovies. <laughs> and anchovies. <laughs> it's just not a good Caesar salad. Do not order the Caesar salad, people. And then she says, you know, something, something, you're a prep cook. And Pacey's like, prep cook? I'm not even cooking. No, Pacey, but as I believe you are actually you're you are actually prepping, which is the first part of prep cook. Now wind your fucking neck in. (laughs) Should we go to the fuckboy palace? Let's go, let's go, fuckboy palace. Let's go to early noughties manic pixie fuck by Charlie, who is just I'm like, I'm there. (laughs) I mean Um, I mean, it's just, thing is... it just frustrates me so much. This bullshit frustrates me so much. Jen is saying that this is not going to become a regular thing. And he's like, what's not going to become a regular thing? And she's like, me coming over in the middle of the night like this. And he's like, well, you know, you didn't really. I could have ordered like two deep dish Chicago pizzas in the time it took you to get here. And she then tries to find out information about him because she's like, is Chicago, is that where you're from? You're from Chicago. And this is why they like he's like trying to get down and dirty and there's like a time and a place for this and this isn't the time or the place. And But he basically makes a comment, the Chicago thing comes from a comment where she's like, I'm not just going to keep turning up in the middle of the night like this. And he basically says, in the time it took it, I got here, I could have got two Chicago-style pizzas delivered. Harsh, that mate, harsh. Um, She's not Uber, <laughs> Uber sleeps. <laughs> Uber shags. Uber shags. Um, Deliver haul. But yeah, so Jen obviously wants to get to know more about him. Get this. She's mentioned it before. She's doing it at the complete wrong time. Um, But she she keeps persisting. She asks him where he went to high school. It's been a week, Jen, as well. He said he went to high school in a lot of places. I mean, his poor hard on must just be like, what the fuck? Do you know what I mean? I'm hard. Oh, we're talking about high school. I can't really be hard. Like, bless him. He's a fuck boy. I feel... I, I do feel sorry for him because you got a fuckboy's place to fuck, not to ask him where he grew up. Um, so I, I, I do have sympathy for Charlie's hard on here, who is now becoming but, a new character. Uh, he, but well, it'll become a character later on, yeah. please, believe me. But I, I was a bit like, I, yeah, I kind of got where he was coming from, and and I hated this representation of Jen of this idea of no, 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 I've got to try and have this relationship with you, and it has only been a week. And it's like, this is what women do. And that's what I didn't like about it. It's not just about Jen. It's Dawson's Creek writers going, well, women want relationships and men want sex. And I disliked it intensely because you know what? You can just fuck a fuck by Zarite. It's fine. What they're there for? What they're there the name? Fuck boy. Don't try to one fuck a fuck boy. No, just fuck him. Get on it and ride that day. Or don't, if that's not what you want. Find a snuggle boy instead. Exactly. You've um, got, well, you've got to separate you separate out your snuggle boys from your fuck boys, and this guy is clearly a fuck boy, so fuck him. Well, said. that's the end of our TED talk. So <laughs> on fuck boys and snuggle <laughs> <fuck> boys. boys. <laughs> oh oh dear me! 
Well, he's trying to get it on with her and she's still asking him questions. He's been deliberately vague. And she's like, well, these aren't real answers. And what he says is the real answers are boring and long. And she says, and you only provide them on a need to know basis. And he's like, yeah. And then he tells her he's from Highland Park, Illinois. So probably maybe not that far from Chicago, perhaps, Illinois. And he says it's not exactly the birthplace of cool, which I was a bit like, oh, for fuck's sake, fuck boys be fuck does boys. Does it fucking matter, like, yeah? Does it fuck matter? Him. Like, what does it matter? Where, like, oh, well, I'm not from somewhere cool, so I'd prefer not to tell you. But I suppose if you're having this really shallow and, like, superficial relationship with someone in which you appear to want to be cool, maybe it does matter, I don't know. Yeah, well, it's quite funny. Jen, Jen ends the scene by saying there that wasn't hard, was it? And I'm like, no, it's not now, Jen. Fucking idiot. Uh, <laughs> then we're back in Cape Side. I was quite pleased to be back in Cape Side, you know. We get some lovely establishing shots of water and sunsets and Cape Sidey things. So I was pleased with that. And Dawson is looking around like he's been gone for about five years. Dawson, yeah, like, where am months. I? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's fit. and then Mitch just wanders out and sees Dawson there and he's like hi and Dawson goes into the house and um there's a new couch and Mitch explains it's made Gail's me really a, laugh Gail's been on a redecorating kick since he left and I was like yeah she's probably trying to get the teenage cum stains and the psychopathic energy off everything um <laughs> she's probably burnt your entire bedroom I was like Gail where are you getting all this money from I am so obsessed Gail with is Gail's laundering money there's something going on. I think they're probably Room Gales for Joey's supplies. dad. <laughs> just... There's still a coke supply in cocaine in Cape Side. How is she affording to have a baby, a son, a, a baby a and a sofa? Women! <laughs> a baby, a baby and older son purportedly at university in California, a business which probably doesn't make all that much money and then redecorate at the same time. Also, all I can think about is that time that Mitch bought Dawson. They bought Dawson a Jeep and they bought Dawson a MacBook and later this episode, Mitch buys Dawson something else. And I'm like, where are you getting all this money from? I am so obsessed with Mitch and Gail's financial situation. Which we never were at this time. We just took it as normal. But now that we're adults and we're like, why does my money not last me like two weeks we are very obsessed i'm jealous of their financial situation no, I yeah gail, like i would just, i don't know what I, gail's doing but i'll do it an unlimited um, stream of money from mitch and gail apparently but mitch is saying he misses the old couch and then gail comes down and she is all pleased to see him and tells him that he looks thin yeah because 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 he was like he's built like the incredible hulk before he left cape side gail <laughs> like, do you know what i mean but it's very parenty isn't it my mum would it always is well it. that was if you point. put weight on cheers mum <laughs> thanks for the i know before. yeah if you lost weight it'd never be mentioned <laughs> um so mitch basically says that he wants to hear about la and has dawson got that deal with dreamworks yeah and Seems Gail's like, I, I just, I felt like, again, these were some sort of slightly rubbish representations of gender because Mitch is like, tell me everything you're doing in LA, business, business, business. And Gail's like, did you get the cookies I sent you? And it's a bit oh. like, and I know that they're trying to characterize the different ways that Mitch and Gail are going to deal with this to a certain extent, but it's a bit gender, like sort of gender specific. Gender wanky. You know, gender wanky and it's it's boring. 
So Dawson says, I didn't get the cookies because I haven't got any mail because I haven't been in LA for Well, he says, I haven't got any mail. And Mitch is like, oh my God, because your classes are so hard. And no, no, you're so studious. And he's like, nah, mm-hmm. mate, I haven't, I haven't been home. I'm a dick. I've took your money and I've pissed it up the wall. Um, I'm in Boston. In Boston, <laughs> which in is, Boston. I would imagine it's quite easy to piss money up the wall in Boston. So At this point, Gail, Gail's, Gail's face like, is a literal representation of a question mark. Yeah, it Gail, really is. Just she, looking she, confused. She does not understand. So yeah, Dawson says that USC isn't look at well right. Is it, is it for him? That's because I actually read my yes. fucking notes for once instead of just <laughs> babbling on like a ranty person. And that he wants to drop out. And as part of this sort of soliloquy into why he wants to drop out, he mentions that all of his friends are in Boston. And girls like, you'll make new friends in California, hmm, Willie. Um, <laughs> and Dawson says that it's more than that. He's at a profound crossroads of his life. And oh, he doesn't fuck me. His path. He will have significant regrets like dramatic much mate everyone goes through this in the first month of uni like just fucking get on with it but this is Dawson and he can't it's Dawson um, and Mitch is quite funny because Mitch is like okay I've given this some thought and you're not dropping out <laughs> yeah all right this is Mitch it's like, like, it's this, is how long, this is how long Mitch needs to think about things this is like Mitch's span of thinking which is hilarious because actually what Gail says before that is like where would you live and I thought this was quite interesting because Dawson's response is with Jack, Jen and Grams yeah poor Grams Grams and her elastic house yeah absolutely and Gail's like well what would you do and Dawson says I'd find a new school and Gail's like oh Dawson and he says like I know I sound like a flake but I've given it a lot of thought and then that's when Mitch comes in and is like it's not fucking happening you're not dropping out which I couldn't decide whether it was in or out of character for Mitch because Mitch is very much and has been for the past five seasons follow your dreams he has but remember laptop gate when he was like, you're not. I mean, he did. He did yeah, but he in gave there. in quite quickly. Yeah, yeah, he did. But Mitch seems to be trying to assert himself as an alpha male fucking finally. And that's what he's doing. And he, he seems quite pissed off with Dawson, understandably, because it's costing him a lot of money for Dawson just to ask about trying to follow his fucking dreams. But yeah. 100%, I get that. But what I, I wish it had been vocalised that that this yeah. is costing me a fortune and I want you to have another go. But I think it's quite interesting that Mitch's response is, yeah, you're not dropping out. Like there's no sort of like explanation of that feeling. And what Dawson actually says to Mitch is, uh, it doesn't work like that. I mean, possibly it does when someone else is paying for it, Dawson. And Mitch says like, if you're going to stand and talk to me about crossroads and paths so you can drop out of school and crash on a sofa, then don't presume to talk to me like you're an adult. Yeah. Fair enough, Mitch. Like, Yeah, agreed. It's just like, it's an interesting little storyline, this. and But there is a part of me that with the crossroads and paths and things like that, Dawson is talking Mitch's language. And at this point, Mitch has decided, like, and this is what I wish is that in some ways it feels out of character, but if Mitch was like, listen, we've given you so much leeway, we've done so much for you. This is, this is where I'm putting my foot down, Dawson. He doesn't like, he just sort of like goes into this, like don't presume to talk to me like you're an adult. And then Lily starts crying and Gail's like, yeah, "Yeah, I know how you feel. 
and they both walk away. And Dawson, the fucking little oh. shit talk, the shit talks responses, welcome home. Like, Ian Dawson, do you know what? Like, you I, knew you that just this come was home. a terrible thing. Yeah. Like, not a terrible thing, but you a would massive worried about it anyway. I think they've taken it quite well. I think they've taken it quite well as well. And then Dawson, the self pitying little shit talks, like, oh, welcome home. Dawson, what were you expecting? Such a fucking this bunting and fucking party poppers because you've decided to cost your parents a fuck ton of money for literally fuck all you absolute shit stain on the bed of society. No, I'm sorry. Fuck off, Dawson. It's been a while. Since, I feel like it's a while since we've said it. It does. I really got that out. Yeah, I got it out too. But yeah, Dawson be Dawson. Right. So then we're with Audrey and Joey in their incredibly beautiful dorm room. There is a lot to like about this scene, but we're just. We just can't stop with the slag references, can we? Audrey, you bloody slag. Like, it we are, like, just be better. I just said, bless Audrey. She likes snuggles. Or if she is, it's just a means to a snuggly end. I I like Audrey, yeah, I do. I like Audrey. But Audrey's asking about Percy, essentially, and saying, who was it? It's obvious that this guy had a huge impact on Joey's life. And Joey makes a joke about the only guy who has a huge impact on her life right now is James Joyce, because Joey is an academic, everyone. Academic, academic. She, what she says is, and I quite like this, she can't focus on him until the room is in order. I mean, seriously, Joey, I would never have got through life if that was... Uh, neither would you, Catherine. No, truth. We prefer chaos over order. I choose chaos every day. I choose chaos every single day. Why not? Why not completely fuck your life up? Choose Um, chaos, everyone. Well, because there is a certain thing in this this scene as well about like perhaps choosing a little bit of chaos isn't the worst thing. Sort of. And we'll talk about it. But the messaging, again, is not particularly great. But Audrey is being a sweetheart because Audrey is a sweetheart. And Audrey basically says that her friends back in LA kind of used her almost as a therapist, which is ironic, really, because they will all have had therapists because LA, because that's what we thought about LA. But also, I do think it's quite funny. It's like the blind leading the fucking blind. But then, having said that, Audrey kind of, <laughs> she was quite good with Dawson last episode yeah. and things like that. I was like going to say Pot so... Meet Kettle, but Catherine meet Katie, Katie meet Catherine. <laughs> We've been a sounding board for each other oh, for many, many decades. Oh, we love dolling out the vice, advice. Um, Never the advice that we can't take. But... <laughs> so Audrey's just been really, really lovely. And she basically she says that, you know, she's there if ever Joey needs her. And Joey is in her oh. usual sarcastic mode and says, oh, lucky me. So Audrey says, come on, stop cleaning and talk to me. And then Joey drops a big slut shame because that's what she does and says, don't you have a lacrosse team today or something? Like, and, and instead of just like, I get that Joey is is annoyed. She's upset. She's confused. She's she's a myriad of different emotions. Mm. And I completely get that. But don't deal with that by slut shaming somebody who's done nothing but be lovely to you. And even if they've done nothing but be awful to you, let's just not slut shame. Let's just be a bit better people. Yeah, um, it really disappointed me. And I'm bored bless Audrey, just leave her alone. It's like water off a fuck's off a fuck. It's like water <laughs> off a duck's back. <laughs> or a fuck's back, depending on what you do um, during your fucking. And she doesn't really acknowledge it, thankfully, probably because she's had so much of it from Joey. You know, it's quite a 
passive aggressive relationship at times but she basically says that she's got a theory about joey and she asks if she wants to hear it and joey says no but all she carries on anyway and she says that she thinks that joey loves academia because of the rules yet she hates relationships because of the lack of them which I can kind of see where she's going with that theory. I don't know whether I agree mm-hmm. with that or not, but I understand where she's going. Um, she asks Joey if she wants to see Pacey, and Joey sort of goes, yeah, no, well, yes, but only if he wants to see her, and he obviously doesn't. So then Audrey calls her dense and says, basically, you know, she's beautiful, but she doesn't know it. She's smart, but she doesn't believe mm-hmm. it. And she's the kind of girls, girl that guys never get over, and she's the kind of girl that other girls always get compared to and Joey ignores this which means that she agrees it's the kind of thing I do when people go no no you don't look 40 and I'm like <laughs> anyway <laughs> I'm more about me so and I do hate it because don't get me wrong you can be like I've always used this is quite derogatory but I've always used the term like a triple threat you know you're funny you're sexy and attractive and you're also clever and you're a triple threat and you're like oh mm. you know but it doesn't matter you can be one of those things you can be none of those things and you are still completely deserving of love and or a relationship and do you know what guys will fall in love with you and there'll be guys that struggle to get over you no matter who you are and having this exactly. kind of ideal that very very few people actually make isn't very great. It's not good messaging. No, and it's like that pitting women against each other as well, like that anyone sits around and compares you to their ex, I just think is is unpleasant. And and if they're doing that, then yeah. if they're doing they're, that, then you're twats. too good for them. Move on. I understand that women can do it and they can think things like, oh, he's not over her because she was this, she was that, she was the other. And quite often we are I think our everyone own worst enemy for that. I don't think it's but... exclusive to women, not at all. But if you let somebody, if you take that insecurity and you feed it, it's a twat move. Don't do it. So mm. Joey ignores that and basically says that she doesn't want to make Pacey feel uncomfortable, which is yeah, fine. Yeah, which is kind of cons- it. Kind of consent into this. Brilliant, finally. And Audrey says that she doesn't think that Joey wants to make herself feel uncomfortable. And I would agree that Joey probably feels both of these things, but more so, I mean, let's be honest, when, when you're thinking about a situation that there's two people in you can pretend mm. that you're thinking about the, the other person when you're thinking about yourself but nine times out of ten you are thinking about yourself more either consciously or subconsciously or maybe that's just because I'm a Leo I don't know but Joey basically <laughs> argues that if, everyone else is like, are you a I always put the other person first what the fuck are you on about Joey argues that it's complicated it ended messy and she doesn't want to make things worse this is where Audrey's advice goes a little bit skewed to say the least so First of all, she says that nobody's going to come along and grade on how she handles these things. Well, actually, she writes it in a shite story. Professor Wilder's going to be straight there. Grading her exactly <laughs> upon that. But she says that relationships are messy. That's their nature. So you know how to, you know, they start messy, they end messy. And if you want to have another relationship in your life, you better start, stop worrying about the mess. So in my head, I decided that mess was jizz because it just made it easier for me oh, to handle this God problematic message. Um, I like don't re- know. relationships shouldn't they shouldn't be messy. Are some relationships messy? Yes, they are. Should you expect by their nature for relationships to be messy? No, because it plays into this Dawson's Creek and other insert your own teenage drama programming that you know everything's got to be all or nothing it's got to be the guy climbing up the ivy or hanging off the rafters for you it's got to be this that and the other it's got to be tumultuous and sometimes do you know what relationships are quite boring and they're the ones that last you don't need mess unless it's just uh, see 
I <laughs> I didn't actually take it like that. I actually what I took Audrey to be saying is that Joey likes order and she likes rules, and that relationships aren't about order and rules. Okay, that's that quite we, interesting. I like wish you said order and rules because mess suggests chaos, as yes, we were saying before. Yeah, as we were saying, and a chaotic we, relationship, we often choose, quite yeah, often which is a toxic yeah, relationship. I think she. Yeah, just I said, agree. Like, that message not is always quite ambiguous. Linear, not always linear. Not always straightforward, which is true. Like it's that, open I think to actually what she said, things aren't perfect and yeah. within boundaries. We've both interpreted it quite differently. Yeah. So, so again, yeah, I, I think okay, when you're doing this sort of messaging, make it a little bit more explicit because if not, it feels like if you're not having you know that kind of chaotic messy shit of a relationship you're not having a relationship yeah I, can, um, I hear that I hear that okay right this next scene uh, right I mean oh, I, I thought it was sinister as all holy fuck and I know I referenced cults earlier I started going weird 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 good 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 oh for fuck's mm, sake yeah um that's my sum up of the scene I just want to preface this scene by talking a little bit about the outside of the US representations of fraternities and representations of the Greek system and stuff like that. So I just want to read you a bit of an email that Victoria sent us. So she says that we're we're going to be unfamiliar with Greek systems, of course we are, um, and that Victoria was a sorority girl in college. So she says, short story for your listeners, this is not the way you join a fraternity. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I, mean, I, I, I know about rushing and I know about um, hazing, which is obviously really bad and something that thankfully universities have stamped out to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, I know that some fraternities are problematic. I also know that a lot of fraternities have gone completely dry um, because of the problems. Yeah. With them. Well, obviously, she's... it was very different at the time that this was going on. What are you doing? Yeah, again, you're doing things in the background, forgetting oh, that you're on a fucking mic. <laughs> I, I, well, let, I am. let me read I'm the rest rummaging. of Victoria's email because I think one of the things is that we we have a very particular view outside of the US and I know we've got US listeners so I don't want to alienate them I think that we're being dicks and going oh god fraternities because it's very it's very specific representations that we see and what it is is it gives a kind of family you know let's read Victoria's email so she says she knows I love long answers, so she gave me a long answer. Right, the Greek system is a complicated thing. The admission process is also complicated and it is a dual acceptance process, which means both the fraternity and the potential member find each Have other to agree. instead yeah. of one seeking the other out. If you want the boring details of how it works, she's happy to provide it. But just to say the way they show it here is not realistic. Yeah. So you basically you shop around, you look at a few different yeah. ones, you see which and then she says, your, yeah. She wanted us to know that while she recognises that it's the absolutely abhorrent behaviour of fraternities, which is like a hazing and sexual assault, that she had a really, really different experience and she slept in a number of fraternity houses and she felt very, very safe there and that she has lifetime friends from there. So she wants us to know that while she understands, and I'm sure there's other US listeners who are listening to us thinking like, come on girls, um, while we do understand that what actually all we see of fraternities is things like hazing is things like sexual assault so I yeah. really want whenever we talk about this scene I, I just want people to understand that because maybe if you had more understanding of fraternities that you might I saw this scene as vaguely sinister or maybe more than vaguely sinister yeah. and cult it, it reads like, like some of the language was cultish so Massively. if we go too far I do apologize but I think it's just our frame we're doing of reference it and we're also doing it like even if we take a frame of reference out of it we're doing it in the context of this scene and this scene isn't making fraternities look particularly great 
Mm. End of. Well, first thing I will say is that Jack wakes up on a sofa and he has got a bit of a tan at the moment. I'm still not digging the little mini mullet, but his no. arms are so lovely. Anyway, I just his need arms, to say that. Yeah. His arms yeah. are nice. And Jack is slowly waking up and he's not sure where he is. And then he finds out <laughs> We've he's all in been there. there. Oh, <laughs> listen, I'm sure you were there this morning after your Christmas party last night. But the... <laughs> That he's like, I'm not sure where I am. And they were like, "We, do, you're in our chapter room. We don't let people drink and drive, which is a lovely message. Okay. And this bye. is something that fraternities do. What they do is younger pledgers. The pledgers normally have like a operator dry service where they go and like dry, pick up like drunken students, which is brilliant. Lovely. That's another good thing that fraternities are doing. Look at me. Shilling Greek life. I know. Well, we just we just need to try and be balanced is all we're trying to do. We'll go in one. We'll go too far in one direction or the other. Just know we'll do that. We can't help ourselves. But basically, they hand him an envelope and they're saying that, like, see these pictures on the wall. Every one of these people have been Sigma men and it's your future in this envelope. Open it. What Jack asks is, what happens if I accept? And they basically say, you're ours. You live in the yeah. house. You eat you meals in the house. You leave the house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Your problems become our problems. You are success our Success becomes it's our success. As our success. It's like as a fucking fuck. cult. And also, you will drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> then lie down and wait for the spaceship. And they're saying that we're brothers, we're family. And what do you think? And Jack says, I don't know. This is all very overwhelming. Reasonable, Jack. Yeah. And <laughs> again, like... Is it Blossom? Is that his name? Says, yes. And like, that, I, what a name. If if we misheard it, I've I've Blossom. So he, if he's called, he's now Blossom. Um, which makes me think of the TV show Blossom, which is just hilarious. I know. Full which stop. is why um, I was trying not to say his name constantly. Is Jack gonna get a shitty frat name? Who knows? Who knows? I hope so. Jack Jack Frost. <laughs> the guy says it comes to a point in every man's life where they have to ask themselves a fundamental question. Am I in or am I out? <laughs> Which made me chuckle and well, Make because too. I've got a t- I've got a terribly dirty mind. So Jack Maybe they're says, talking about the hockey cocky. Maybe, but Jack says, and I really like Jack's response. He says, I've asked myself that before, which I just think is like, yeah. Right, basically what Jack says at this point is, you need to know something, I am gay. And they all start laughing. Now, I don't know whether we're supposed to take this as them like thinking he's joking, but actually their response is like, do you not think we knew that? Because that was your response in the original, whenever you saw that original thing, you were like, shit, what is going to go down here? Yeah, like yeah. If, you, if you were that like creepy and you've done all of this, yeah. And also if you've done all of the research, I would have assumed that at some point it would come up on the microfiche. Well, it was on the internet. Yes. <laughs> Jack was the on the internet. Ask, ask Jeeves, is Jack gay? Yes. <laughs> so yeah, they, they do know that he's gay and they seem to be kind of, accepting it absolutely fine and they say you know you thought we didn't know that and Jack says that most people are surprised and Blossom says well most people aren't Sigma people makes no Sigma sense. people Jack says does that mean there's other guys in the house that are gay and I'm crossing everything that I have that they are and we can get him away from toxic tubs but it turns out that he's going to be the first and Jack quite rightly says and I'm taking this you know in the time period that it was shot in that most fraternities are not particularly well known for their tolerance to alternative lifestyles and I'd like to think that that's changed now but you know we're talking about it in the context of the program so at this point, Blossom says, this is exactly why we need you in the house. And and stupidly and naively, I'm like, this is so nice. You know, they've realised that they need to have a cultural shift. Mm-hmm. They want to start accepting different people and all of the rest of it. And that is 
kind of where they're going, but really badly. So Blossom so says badly. that basically Sigma has got this reputation for being one of the roughest party hardy alpha male fraternities on campus, a reputation which is not entirely unfounded, he says quite proudly. And the dean yeah. wants him to diversify and what the dean wants the dean gets. So yeah, they know he's gay and they want him in the house basically because he's gay. And it, they could have phrased that so much better, oh, even though they yeah. would be lying. But basically the dean said like, carry on like this bras and you're going to like Sigma fucking get out of Sigma here the fuck so out here so they're like yeah we've got a game Sigma, Sigma Alpha bye Sigma Alpha see you later and and this is awful really so what they are basically doing is tokenism and Jack is their gay token and yeah I'm sorry guys yeah. fuck off mm, yeah I this disappointed me intensely because I did hope for something more but I mean Maybe, maybe I am naive in hoping for something more. This could have been so much more positive. And I know that we talk about, oh, well, it was 2001, 2002. And should we give them a break? And yeah, like you have to look at I things think, in context. I but mean, also, yeah. like, mm. in my, I guess in the, in the, in the defense of the scene, having a gay person or a queer person in your fraternity was a big deal and they've been honest about their reasons why they want him and I kind of respect that more than if they'd been all happy clappy like no no we really want to do this genuinely because it shows what people did in terms of tokenism and that's something that still sadly to this day happens now so as much as I hated that scene I'm kind of glad that it happened like that Okay, yeah. I mean, do you remember when we spoke to Dawson's Critique, though, and one of the things that they were saying, Julia said it, wasn't it, is that one of the things is that you can look at Dawson's Creek and sort of, to a certain extent, feel proud of how far we've come from okay, certain we've come, But we still haven't come far enough. No, no, no. Well, we said that, didn't we? But I did, I did find it, that I found some of the language sinister. But again, I do really want to say, just to end this scene, it is like our frame of reference and we don't know a lot about it and it's important that we put that in. So should we move on to this next thing? Shall I we go to Fuckboy Palace? Let's it's go back to Fuckboy Palace. Um, I think that let's just oh, sum I this just scene up. This. Because... Can, I, can I do it? Because I just can't. Yeah, you scene. sum like, it, it up. Really, you sum it up. really pissed me off. And as, as somebody who's sexually open and sexually free, it annoyed the fuck out of me. So Jen is basically starting. But Jen's also that bad. person, which is what's fucking me off about it. Yeah, this, this is the, the whole the whole thing is just so annoying. They have been fucking for a week and Jen has gone completely crazy because that's what women do when they fuck and they don't get enough snuggles, guys. Remember that? apparently they're in bed together and she's still trying to force charlie to answer these absolutely inane questions and this time it's about his favorite color and i pondered this and i thought i don't know anyone's favorite color i don't even know what my own favorite color is it's probably black it's like my heart it is leopard is that a color that's why I yours is leopard and mine is multicolored i think my husband's is black but again i'm, I'm been married 11 years 11 who years gives almost a on the fucking north, flying shite seriously like after a week of sex with somebody i want to know i was sexually compatible and have you got exactly that's it <laughs> Charlie and I should find that out before the sex really but you know whatever um, by your mistakes never had chlamydia by the way just putting that out there Charlie what says, a weird flex <laughs> Charlie basically does the ultimate fuckboy response which is my favourite colour is the colour of your eyes oh, now obviously most girls boy. he's expecting for him just to swoon and go that's fine Um, now do whatever you want to me you know and Jen, because she's a strong, independent woman, apart from this entire relationship, covers her eyes, covers his eyes and says, well, what colour would that be? 
Um, and Charlie says, look, I've been sleeping with you for a week. Do you think I don't know what colour your eyes are? Uh, yeah. Who the fuck loves this kind of stuff? The only yeah. reason that I would remember what colour someone's eyes were in like all of the people that I have had intimate relations with is if they were like red or glowing, in which case I fucked <laughs> Satan. That's definitely happened before. Uh, and, and that, After a heavy that night be, out. After a heavy night out, I may, I may, I may not have fucked Satan. If I didn't, they definitely did. So Charlie says that they're brown. <laughs> You'll find out in time. Charlie says that they are brown and Jen points out to be an absolute pedantic cunt that they have subtle flecks of green in them. Yeah, the key word there, Jen, is fucking subtle. Honestly, sort yourself out. Charlie says that it's not entirely his fault that they happen to have a completely normal, healthy, active sex life. Now, what Charlie should have said is we've been seeing each other for a week. We're sexually attracted to each other. So we are too busy fucking like rabbits to notice things like favourite colours. And Jen's like, well, what are you saying? Is this my fault? Well, I would hope so because he's sexually attracted to you. This should be this should all be a positive thing. Have had sex with a guy that I fancy for a week. We have good sex. We want to keep having sex. So Charlie says that basically neither one of them has very much the way of self-control. Why do you need to have self-control at this I know. point? You want to have sex with each other. You are old enough to have sex with each other. You're at, you're at university. Just fucking fuck for fuck's fucking sake. But it um, weirdly goes back to what Audrey was saying about messy relationships. And Jen oh. is making this messy. This relationship is actually perfectly linear. Just fuck, mate. It's fine. There's no issue if that's what you want. But like Jen is coming in and it's like women. Essentially what I'm reading out of this is that women have to bring emotions into it. And and Jen is a character who we could. I would absolutely perfectly believe a storyline with her just fucking a dude. I'd believe it. Joey, not. Yeah, exactly. We can fuck dudes. We can fuck dudes and we don't need to snuggle them and we don't need anything else. We just sometimes need to ride that D and it is fine. And Dawson's Creek, just tell people this, please. We've got to find out for ourselves through a lot of trial and error. <laughs> and we blame you, Dawson's Creek. <laughs> so basically, they turn this into the world's shittest bet. Oh, well... Well, I just want to point out at one point, Charlie calls Jen insane. He says, are you insane? About he does this appear bet. to be at the moment, to be fair. I'm going to give Charlie <laughs> Charlie his dues where he deserves them. So they basically... You're being a bit um, too nice about Charlie this episode. Maybe I like a fuckboy. Who knows? Maybe I am a fuckboy. <laughs> Jen says, do you think we could go a day without having sex of any kind? Why would you? What are you going to do? Just sit around... I know, it's just... It's You've just been so fucking for a week. Somebody you want to fuck. If you're already trying to, like, <laughs> you know, go, go, gadget, failed marriage. Why? Just why? Just enjoy it for what it is, because eventually... Mm. It won't be that so um charlie says you know they've been looking to make 12 hours and jen says what's the matter are you afraid that you can't hold out charlie says i know i can hold out i'm not sure whether you can and jen takes the world's shittest challenge and says bring it on 12 hours starting right now no sex so charlie goes in to kiss her jen isn't exactly resisting but then she's like no no and charlie says like maybe we should get out of bed because if you don't want to have sex with somebody you're extremely sexually attracted to laying in bed next to them practically naked isn't really going to help um so jen says good idea that's where the scene finishes and everything about it has annoyed the ever-living fuck out of me never oh. in my life would I think to do this unless I unless I genuinely was in a relationship with somebody and we'd said we were in a relationship and it only seemed to be about sex then I'd be a bit like do you think this is you know and yeah that's not give it a good few weeks a week is is 
incredibly sharp. At the moment, I would just be making sure I had enough cushions to sit on to be comfortable because, yeah. Yeah. So from one annoying scene to another, yeah, we're going back over to the restaurant where Percy is there. And like my beloved Percy, I'm not loving this storyline for him one little fucking bit. Because Karen comes over and Percy makes a joke about forgetting to replace paper towels in the staff washroom. And she just doesn't respond. And he says, I was told that waitresses were moody, but you are off the charts. And that guy is a whack job. So basically, Karen has the nerve not to respond and she's the worst person on earth. And what Percy goes on to say is that he touched a pan and he went and the guy went mental with him. And what Karen does is Percy calls it ironclad. And she's like, oh, it's all clad. Like you don't even know what the pans are called. And then she says, why would he let you mess with something and you don't even know the name of it? And then Percy's like, well, just let me hear on him for a second. It's bonding for colleagues. And what Karen says is, we're not colleagues. This is not a law firm. The irony. Don't let someone mess something they don't know the name of. I'm just going to put the word clitoris there and leave it. (laughs) And yeah, she says, we're not working at a law firm. And I wait for people. And Karen makes the cardinal mistake here of using the wrong verb. She says, you cook for them. And then that gives Percy a signal to have a fucking whinge. Because Percy's like, I don't cook for them. Percy the potato peeler is really pissed off with life, isn't he? I literally, like, it's just not like Percy. Do you know what I mean? He's not like a, he's not a, like, little bitch. Like, he doesn't, like, whinge and complain about... Percy is smart enough to understand that you've got to go through stages. I know you said this earlier in the episode, but this just doesn't ring true with me at all. And so Percy's, like, going on about cutting potatoes and not cooking. And she's like, right, well, this whole job is beyond you. And Percy's like, right, well, okay, what's the problem? And again, Percy's normally so, like, such a friend to women. Percy, we're a friend to women. And she says, they've got you doing classic culinary prep work. You have to wear a hat so nice women here on their first date doesn't puke in the ladies' room when she finds a strand of your greasy hair in her pumpkin puree. Ain't no one want a Percy pube in the salad. We've already said that. We don't want anchovies. We don't want a Percy pube. Even if we would love to lick Percy's pubes, you don't want them in your salad. Why have I just said Well, absolutely. I'd like, it's, it's fine. Probably would, probably would. <laughs> but what she actually says, and this is the main, main crux of the scene, is that... I'm I'm working with someone whose sole qualification for this job is his gender. Ugh. Which, like, I... Yeah, she makes a good point, though, yes. because he's already... He went in with no experience, and he is... Fair enough, he's Pacey the potato prepper. But, she, you know, he's still been given something that is on a trajectory to yeah. potentially get a job of being a chef. Mm. With no qualifications, other than he saw somebody else stack, like, things on a plate, on a boat. But then we've almost got, like, this sort of, like, another thing about men calling women insane. I know he doesn't say that explicitly because Percy is better than that. I will give him that. But he says, right, we're making progress. You just exploded on me and I have no idea why. Percy, she literally just said, mate, she thinks you got your job because you're you're male. So, like, none of this is Percy, and I find it annoying, but, like, at least he's actually got a speaking part, which he barely had in episode one, so I can't, like, bitch too much about that. 
Right, anyway, we're back in Capeside and Dawson is, right, in pure, true, sulky teenage form is sat on the floor beside his bed. Yeah, I'm not even going to get in my bed, parents. I hate you. <laughs> and not. yeah, that's exactly it. And Mitch Girl's comes probably in. fumigated it though, so you know. Well, I'd hope so. But then Mitch comes in and says, When I was your age, I used to spend hours sitting around thinking about my life. And Dawson, the little shit, is like, Why did you stop? And because life says, mate. Yeah, that's life. exactly what Mitch says because fucking life, mate. And Dawson, because he's such a little shit. Like, I can't believe this is Dawson's response. Think about what you're saying, Dawson. I hope I never get to that place. What you hope you're so never so busy living life. Rather than just sitting like fucking nasal gazing and like if I had the time to think about my life and what a fucking horrific shit show it was, like, I don't think I'd get to tomorrow. I'm really glad to have distractions. 100%. I wish Mitch had said that to him as well. Sometimes I wish Dawson's Creek could just go all side and be like, fuck off, mate. Get a fucking grip and wind your neck in. But no. So Mitch basically says he's absolutely exhausted. He's in a room with a baby monitor and please don't BS me. And then what Mitch says is, and I have to have a little bit of like real appreciation for Mitch because Mitch says this is about a girl. And I feel like this is the first time this has been properly approached because I know that one of our complaints about episode one and two is we don't actually know what the fuck is going on with Dawson and Joey. And I think that the writers think they're being un- ambiguous, but they're not. They're, they're, it's it's really genuinely unclear and not in a good way. So Mitch is saying this is about a girl and Dawson's like, you say that like it's a bad thing. Well, mate, when someone spent a fucking fortune for you. Fortune spending you to your dream university because all Dawson has these dreams and like all he wants to be is this insert whatever it is reminds me of somebody we used to know daddy today I want to be exactly and that is Dawson you know he's decided that this is is what he wants to do his parents have gone all out to make sure that he can do it and he's gone like four weeks or something and he can't ask and but that's exactly what's going on and maybe if it was another character we might be a bit more generous but it really does feel like it's a massive pattern for Dawson to like fucking fuck something off when it doesn't go his way entirely so like he fucked filmmaking off for a while whenever like people didn't like his films do you know what I mean like he's a petulant little shit arc so Mitch actually says kind of exactly what you've just said like you've (laughs) been making movies forever but then it sort of gets a bit ridiculous because he says you know you've been making movies forever and we've heard about USC when you were 10 and for the last four years it has been the mantra of the Leary household and then what Mitch says is, and I really need us to pass on this slightly. <laughs> totally hasn't. The mantra of the Leary household has been, oh shit, is Dawson still here? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it has been the mantra <laughs> of the Leary household. Gail and Mitch are like, just another four years and we get him to university. Come on, keep going. Right, so I'm going to do this whole quote and then we'll talk about it because it fucking made me howl. Right, you worked your tail off to overcome <laughs> Helen Highwater <laughs> and overcame adversity that would oh, send yeah, the... ordinary kids running <laughs> for cover. And Not do, the white and... privilege bombs going off <laughs> everywhere. I had to dodge a brand new book. Oh, no, it's a new Jeep. Oh, not the Apple Mac. I am crying for your daughter. It's the most ridiculous thing. And he says, you did the impossible and you got yourself in. And you've got the whole, <laughs> your whole life ahead of you. And now you think thinking about throwing it away. What are you, crazy? 
I absolutely stopped and howled at overcoming adversity. And I this is a genuine question Dawson, for our listeners. My struggle. What? <laughs> we called an episode that in season four, I think. What adversity has Dawson overcome? What adversity? Having a little bit of a breakup with Joey or boo him. <laughs> like what genuine not adversity? getting the laptop he wanted, but then getting it. He has such a... his speedboat because the stripper sucked him off and getting banned from driving speedboats for a bit. I am weeping for Dawson. Oh, it's, he's got the worst life. Like, Somebody even poor, poor Joey Potter genuinely faced far more adversity than this. Do you know what I mean? It is the most ridiculous. Like, I was just like, I had to press pause and just laugh because, and I need someone to tell me, aside from having a little bit of a fling with Joey and it not working out, I need to know what adversity Dawson's faced. Maybe Mr. Brooks, that was pretty fucking tough. Okay, I'll give him no, that. That was pretty well, tough. I get it. Brooks left him a shitload of cash and he basically paid Joey to be his friend. So whatever. So Dawson says, well, maybe I am a little crazy. And Mitch says, if you want to talk about standing at crossroads, that's fine. But for God's sake, choose your own path. And what Dawson says is, is what I'm trying to do. And Mitch quite astutely this is like there's some decent stuff in this scene but just because some of it's so ridiculous I can't take it seriously because what Mitch says is you're not taking your own path you're following Joey down hers which is kind of what I think that is happening here but again it's not explicit it's not clear I don't need things to be spelled out for me but I need them to be there and I'm not getting it apart from this conversation Mitch says he knows how much she means to you, to Dawson, but is it wise to make life decisions based on someone else, which is absolutely reasonable. When you're a teenager, that is a great bit of advice. When you get older, unfortunately, all your life decisions are based on someone else. Well, actually, not so much. Unless you're in Leo. Yeah, in which case... A childless barren Leo, in which case they're all made around you. They're not really. I care about (laughs) Listen, you carry on enjoying that. So he says this is not high school and the stakes are high and your decisions have real consequences and then Dawson throws a BF actually most of what Mitch said there was reasonable and maybe it's in the delivery I don't know but Dawson says you think I don't know that that this is the most important decision of my life and Mitch says like well you need to make the right one and Dawson's like it's not that simple it's not that simple and Mitch says yeah it is (laughs) what Mitch says is it really is and then he says Dawson I've lived twice as long as you and I'm just trying to give you the benefit of my experiences and Dawson like full pulls a full-on teenager and is like we meant to think that Mitch is only 36 no like that's what I was thinking as well like Mitch is clearly older than that but I suppose he's just trying to say that I am a lot older Mitch is like a child compared to me yeah 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 (laughs) so Dawson is like I can't live the life you want me to I can't have the life you chose for me you chose for me oh my god all you wanted to do was go to film school your parents have done everything that they possibly can to get you to film school now you've decided I I can't with you Dawson I just can't I just can't you shut up this Mitch is right this is all you went on about I am surprised how behind Mitch I am with this actually because what Mitch is trying to say is this has been years and now suddenly you're making this decision it doesn't make any fucking sense I just wish that that's what he'd said rather than going on about Darson overcoming adversity because that's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard so Dawson says, like, I've got to have my own life. And 
Mitch says, right, you're on. He says, fine, and hands him something and says, here's the opportunity to have the life that you've always wanted ever since you were a little boy. And basically, it's a plane ticket. And Mitch has booked him on a plane for 3.30 tomorrow. Mitch is just like, get the fuck away, really. No, like, like, I just, I like, I agree with him. He's he's thought about it. He's wrestled with it. He's given him the opportunity. Yet again, his parents are enabling. He's utterly spoilt behaviour because they want what's best for him. So, yeah. Yeah, but I, can't, I just can't. Absolutely. And this is the thing that it's kind of presented like Mitch is being vaguely unreasonable. No. And maybe it's like the hindsight of being an adult or maybe it's the hindsight of working with students who have gone to university. But Mitch isn't being unreasonable. Dawson has gone on about this for years. And now just because Joey's in another city that Dawson feels like a fish out of what I wish this had been better done and explored more because I can understand understand entirely why Dawson feels the way he does but I can also understand why Mitch feels the way he does and it could just be explored better but also just purely from let's make a tv show point of view they need Dawson in Boston so fucking whatever right I suppose this is a moot point to that extent but Mitch finishes this scene by saying seize this opportunity Dawson it will be gone in a moment and that's life Oh. Right, we need to get on with this anyway because we've been talking for fucking ages. Right, so next we've got Gail and Mitch outside and what Gail essentially says to Mitch is, um, I I know it's selfish, but I want him to drop out. And you know what I was thinking? I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. But also I was kind of like, right, I get what they're doing. They're doing the binary oppositions of the... And parents sometimes are like that, like one one wants one thing, one wants another. And, And we did just say we did agree with what, Mitch said we did agree with it that Dawson's wanted his entire life but with Gail I don't agree with her but I understand I don't believe her. this and I also think that this scene is you don't confusing. believe it no I think the scene's just been put in here because of the end scene and they needed to be like oh we want him back and the heart of the family and all that shit genuinely the Mitch and Gail I know would have been doing naked cartwheels the second that he left <laughs> I mean, Gail has already reupholstered the entire house to get rid of his teenage stank. Like, they do not want him back. Lies, lies, lies. Well, no, but I do I do agree with you. I don't disbelieve it from Gail necessarily because she is that sort of mother most of the time. But I just think you're absolutely right that it's, it serves a purpose here. So what Mitch goes on to say is that when he saw him standing in the yard, his heart leapt out of his chest. And I thought I miss him and I miss having him around and have a dinner with him and hearing what he has to say about movies. <laughs> and I was just a bit I'm like, sure. really, really, Mitch? It's very generous of you. And they're sort of at this point, they're looking at Dawson with Lily, which is it is quite cute i'll give it that it is quite cute and i'd just be like well we got rid of dawson we've got the one that we can try again with and make better (laughs) (laughs) but anyway this is why i don't have children (laughs) and then we get into the bit of this scene that really is the stinger isn't it this is the point of this scene because mitch says do you know how much i love my life I have an amazing family and I know everyone says that, but I've been around the block to know that what we have is rare. And I was like, okay. I know, I know, I know. And cynical me is like, your wife had an affair, your son's completely crazy and he's going to be a psychopath and you've had a baby into your late 40s. 
It's not that great, mate. But for, for the sake of the series, I'll pretend that it is. It's lovely. Well, Mitch is that sort of person, but it's like Mitch is we're that in sort season of person. five. Mitch, Mitch very glasses half full, which I like about him. Yes, I, I know, and I, I oh, right. Anyway, I do feel like this is manipulative. I do feel like this is manipulative, but I kind of was buying what he was selling. Unfortunately, yeah. clearly I was. So. And Gail's saying, yeah, I know. And Mitch says, it's the only thing I've ever been good at. And Gail, and Gail's like, oh. And he says, no, I'm a family she, man. Gail doesn't go, no, what about all of the other things that you've been good at? Like uh, <laughs> or, um, uh, teaching football. Uh, Gail just goes, no. Mitch, you're very good at looking amazing, looking amazing in tight T-shirts. There you go. You've got good arms, Mitch. <laughs> I do like, do you know what? Maybe it's just because of the end of this episode, but I do like Mitch. I like him. We've always liked Mitch. Be, yeah, we have actually. Mitch, please. What Mitch says is, no, I'm a family man and I can say with relative certainty, I will never write a poem or paint or make a movie. It wasn't in the cards for me. And that's okay because maybe our son will do that. And Gail kisses him and he says, what was that for? And she says, I love my boys. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I mean I know what it was there for it sort of felt it did feel a little bit like well not a little bit it felt manipulative but again I'll say it one more time I am buying what it's selling me we are down to be manipulated tis the season to be manipulated tis the season to be emotionally manipulated by Dawson's so listen, right, we'll this next it. scene, I am so bored with this bullshit now. We're going to really quickly gloss over it because I don't think we've got anything new to say. The one new thing I do have to oh. say is, after seeing Charlie in his pants at the beginning of this scene, I do understand why Jen is Can so I just say, having sex and this him. is nothing to do with Charlie in his <laughs> pants, I swear, or maybe it is, but I am becoming team charlie not because because basically charlie does what he said it says on the tin he's a fuck boy i know he tried to not be a fuck boy but but that's what he is and he says some quite interesting stuff that kind of counters what jen's doing but they're they're basically trying to find things to do that don't involve having sex Um, put some trousers on charlie i swear yeah like seriously i'm sorry i don't know if it was the angle or what but his dong looked huge (laughs) It just did. It looked huge. I'll see if I can get a screenshot you know so we can all if, me, if on young it. men want to walk about in their pants, we should be able to control ourselves. He can wear whatever he wants, but fuck me. And that is just it. Fuck me. I know. I mean, I, I don't, Jen, I get it. All is forgiven. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm good for Jen because there's no way on God's earth I could last 12 seconds, never mind 12 hours, but there uh, we go. Um, so Jen's talking about... It's the hair. Maybe the hair would be enough to put your Oh, I don't know. You know, stranger things have happened. <laughs> so, yeah, basically, she suggests going to the cinema and she's suggesting films with subtitles. And it turns out that Charlie isn't a big fan of films with subtitles, which is quite interesting because Charlie, when he was pretending not to be a fuckboy, would have been like, oh, films with subtitles. I love them. In fact, oh, I don't 100%. even go to see films that I can understand. Although we do find out later why he doesn't like subtitles, which is the shittest thing ever. Well, let's read, let's read some subtitles and listen to the Smiths. That was him like in episode two. So what the fuck? Oh, anyway. And the the only other thing that I'm going to take away from the scene, and we're going to do it really quickly because it's doing both of our tits in, is that Mm. Jen basically says that a difference of opinion on subtitles does not spell doom for a relationship. And I thought this was quite interesting because they're referring to the fucking shit show that has been their week of sex, non-sex, like um, the quick fire round quiz on your likes and dislikes. 
as a relationship so okay whatever but mm. yeah so Jen's a bit pissed off he doesn't like subtitles it's called sexual frustration Jen and it will continue unless you ride that fucking D just do it just fuck just fuck already next scene it's it's so boring it's just so boring right tell me what you thought of this next scene because I thought there was some interesting stuff in it I thought there was some interesting stuff in it and also some stuff that I hope that never hear again hi Toby <laughs> Jack like see, I, and, like, I was hoping that he just he's not even was, in the show I he's know. not there and he's, he's like even an insidious is coming through like like seriously, like just because he hadn't been mentioned, he had, and I was really scared. It was like you know the um, bloody Mary thing, like if you repeat it in a mirror three times, <laughs> some like creepy old witch turns up. Do not say Toby three times; he will turn up and he will gaslight to you, and ain't nobody want that. So Jack's basically telling Grams that you got a bid to join Sigma, and Grams is really really happy for him. Mm-hmm. And then Jack says, "Well, Toby doesn't think so. Oh like, God! Even if Sigma was called Sigma Delta Rainbow Gay." Toby still wouldn't fucking like it because Toby doesn't like anything. And don't get me wrong, okay? I've got the teeniest, tiniest pass for Toby here and I can't believe I'm saying it. Yeah. But, like, his partner is away in university. He's probably jealous as fuck and that's fair enough and he's been invited to this. So part of me thinks Toby's kind of arguments are the kind of arguments that Toby would ordinarily have, but it's also just... Toby being a toxic, jealous twat as well. Well, so, it's the fr- but it's again, it's the, the phrasing, phrasing of it. With, as with awful. everything with Toby, it's not necessarily Toby can't just go. This might not be a good idea because it's what so Toby's got to do nasty. is call Jack uh, an Uncle Tom, which is a hugely racist. Oh, or did insult, and I was really surprised. He that called like, him the gay Uncle Tom. Like, a gay yes. Uncle Tom. Oh God, it's awful! It's truly awful, and it's a word that should never ever be used again. But of course, Toby uses it because Toby. So Toby is convinced that they only want Jack to meet a diversity quarter. No right. shit, Sherlock. Can I just say they pretty much said that? They told him that. They literally told him that. Good. I'm glad. I'm just. A th- I was worried. I was imagining it. I just wrote at this point. Toby is hateful, even when he's not there. Yeah, I get that Toby might have an issue with it, but like, listen, he, he, there was only like two sentences there that Jack said, and I was like, oh, God, but it's Toby still exerting that manipulation. That's just like, just fuck off, Toby. Seriously, yeah. Mate. So Grams is the anti-Tobes, and she's like, how do you? Because <laughs> this, kind of this is the kind of thing that Toby should have said really before just calling him a gay uncle Tom. He should have been like, well, okay, let's let's go through it and how do you feel when you're over there and that's what Grams asks and Jack says that weirdly for the very first time in his life he feels like he's found a place where he's comfortable and finally fits in mm. in my own head I think Jack's way too easily swayed by Jack of potatoes and beer but I've made a mental note I would <laughs> should, be. I, should I ever encounter Jack <laughs> and he goes a little bit it goes a little bit little Britain and he's like but I'll be the only gay in the house well that you know of let's be honest and Grams is really <laughs> really good in this she's she's very kind of intellectually superior to Toby not that that's hard and she suggests that this seems like it's more an issue with him as in Jack as opposed to the frats and Jack agrees and he's quite confused because he says this isn't how I usually am and Grams points out no it's not it's how Toby usually is and that's what Toby does he's insidious and he manipulates so Jack is starting to like yes Toby's actually making him think and that is not what you do to a partner and Grams basically ends it by saying look if these guys know you a tenth of how well I know you I'm sure they want you for much 
much more than just filling a quota. And I thought this was lovely. I still had to put in my notes, Jack, you can fill my quota any day. Because oh, of course you made that I'm awful. But, but Graham says something that's really, and if I was talking to my partner about something like this, this sort of conversation is how I would have expected it to go. But because it's toxic tubs, it gets called an Uncle Tom and there is no discourse okay, around it. There's Uncle no conversation Tom, and there's no critical thinking. But thank the Lord for Graham's, quite literally, she's she's made jack think in the way that she should okay yeah i'm in two minds about it because i do really like what graham says and i really like the fact that grams has essentially said to jack toby is getting in your head and that's not necessarily a good thing but i do wish there was a little bit more conversation between jack and grams about what exactly it is that's bothering jack about this because i think that there are some things in here and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about this concept of the stereotypes that surround fraternities but no but the stereotypes that surround fraternities that are perhaps a li- that fully explored and again it goes back to that thing on Dawson's Creek and I know it's only like 42 minutes long every episode but certain things that aren't fully explored and I hope that we get to see it and I hope that we get to see Jack yeah. fit in and it doesn't end up as a shit show because it will break no I really really do desperately hope that show. and I, it feels like a bit of a cop-out because they've basically given Jack feelings that aren't his that are Toby's understandable but Jack's got to have some of his own feelings as well other than mm, Jack a potato and beer Although, to be honest, you know, that's kind of where my feelings would go to as well. Maybe we don't all have to be (laughs) super, super cerebral about everything. No. So then we've got Gail and Dawson with Lily. And Gail is outright asking Dawson if Joey asked him to stay in Boston. Which, fair enough. Yeah, very much fair enough. And it's fucking obvious that even if she didn't directly ask him to stay, that this whole thing is something to do with Joey. But Dawson says, no, it makes no logical sense, which literally makes no logical sense because the most logical (laughs) sense that you could make is that the girl that he's had this on-off relationship with forever, who is in Boston and now he wants to move to Boston, that somewhere down the line, she might have something to do with it. But there we go, critical thinking. I can do it. Um, And at this point, nobody wants to do it. You're all about critical thinking towards the end of this episode, Kay. I know, what can I say? I've had an epiphany. So Dawson wanks lyrical about himself, because of course, and he says that the past few years of his life, he hasn't done anything without a clear-cut objective. What, like when you crashed your boat, getting a blow from a stripper? Okay. Was there not? Well, no, I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, there was an objective, coming stripper's mouth. Um, <laughs> well, fair enough. That there is a lot of people say words about Dawson, and Dawson says words this episode, which we had a fuckload of in season four. Do you remember? And like, you sort of on the surface, okay, fine. And then when you look at it within any sort of depth, you're like, what the fuck? Are you caught objective? He applied to university with a clear-cut objective. He went to high school with a clear-cut yeah. objective. Hey, he made films yeah. with a clear-cut objective. Like, yeah. what, what, what? He overrode his dad over the laptop he wanted with a fucking clear-cut objective. This is bullshit. So, yeah, he, he continues to fucking wank on and says that his entire life, everyone's always been telling him to follow his heart. Don't remember a single person ever saying that to him, i going to be honest. But also, I don't remember what I did the other day, so I'm maybe not, I'm maybe not the best. <laughs> But Gretchen used to go on about his great big, thumping heart which bothered me every time oh she my said god it. i'm she so glad you said that i nearly nearly gipped <laughs> oh no but like saying like everyone's always asked what his goal is and like he's do you know what i really think is that dawson is somehow making this everyone else's fault yeah the fact that, that he no. wants to no not dawson <laughs> 
knocked me down with a massive forehead, knocked Dawson. You were saying that in a surprised manner as well. I don't know why. I think I've just left my body for a second. Dawson does Dawson things, shocker. Yeah, I mean, basically... He says that the irony is that he's finally worked out what follow his heart means. Like, seriously, Dawson, fuck off. And everybody's telling me I'm crazy if I do it. Like, so he's just, he's basically having a midlife crisis at 18. Your dad, Honestly, your mate, dad's told you every, everyone so else seems pretty come. supportive. Yeah, like, I do think that it's ridiculous that Dawson, but is Dawson be Dawson you saw, right? Is that sort of like packaging this up in following his heart when really what it is. And I, again, I wish this was better explored. And Mitch is the only person who sort of gets into it a little bit. Is Dawson getting cold feet because he's away from home? And this would have been really cool to see a little bit unpacked. But there we go. What Dawson's Creek have essentially boiled down to is Dawson following his heart, i.e. Joey. So whatever. So Gail's saying, you know, no one's saying not to follow your heart, but people change and that's a fact. And you and your friends and everyone will change. So if you're absolutely sure that you want to be with Joey, just make sure you're not going to prevent either one of you from growing. Which is really important, and I won't yeah. go on about it because I've gone on about it so many times, the whole kind of relationships that you take into university and how everybody changes to you. You know, the, the, the people that you might have had friends with back then, a lot of people here might not be friends with them now and not because of any horrible, nefarious reason, but just because people grow and people change. Yeah. And Catherine and I didn't bother with the growing bits. So we're, <laughs> we're still really good we've, de- we've definitely haven't changed at all. Because we still think we're 17. Exactly um, but what Gail says is a really, really salient point. And she says in a kind of dismissive way, she's like, I'm not dismissing the idea of soulmates, but the reality of an, an oh, eternal coupling, an eternal coupling, oh. see, that just sounds horrific, boils down to one it thing. sounds like faith. punishment. Doesn't it? And I will condemn you to an eternal coupling <laughs> with Dawson Leary. No! Oh, that is a punishment. <laughs> a vagina will never see another man. Sorry to anyone happily married for like the past I mean, but no one's happily married to Dawson. To Dawson, so <laughs> this, is true. this is very true and it, it, so she basically says it boils down to one thing faith that was the world's worst intro to george michael i am i apologize profusely um and as such he needs to ask himself is joey is the kind of person that he's willing to take such a big leap of faith for and i think everything she said there was really salient and really good asking himself if joey's the kind of person he's willing to take such a big leap of faith for i'm not sure if that's the right way to say it because right now of course joey is you know he's he's, he's taken a lot of leaps of faith for her i think what she should have said is you know, kind of Joey in the future or everything. I, I, I maybe badly phrased, but whatever. Um, she did her best. You did your best, girl. Now <laughs> you did your re-appo- best. Now girl. go and reappose to the furniture. He's just been <laughs> right. Do you just want to sum this up because I can't even be fucking fat? We're back at it. Fuck and it Boy goes Palace. On for ages. Why are it we does. back at Fuck? I can't. I can't. We even are back really. at Fuck Boy Palace. Not fucking and. Jen and Charlie are basically playing a card game whilst like trying to find something that they've got in common. And I just wrote, why not good sex? This is rare and important. And I know. I told, like we've Charlie said it so many times. I can't believe we're says, still having this conversation. Echoes my sentiment. Me and Charlie were this cut from the same tight pant cloth. He's basically says they have sex in common. And Jen says that you can't base a relationship purely on sex. 
Like, seriously, this was news to me. Like, really? Which I is, know, but it, I don't so, think you can such share. bad messaging. Like, it doesn't have to be. And this is the other thing. When, when you're dating at any age, to be fair, but particularly when you're in your teens and your 20s, you don't have to have... I mean, if you have a relationship that goes the distance and all of the rest of it, brilliant. But you shouldn't be getting into relationships, like, thinking that far ahead. If your relationship is purely, like, he fucks brilliantly, you know, we fuck well together there is nothing at all wrong with this but of course Dawson's Creek wants to make us think that there is so Charlie basically says that you know actually sex is quite a big thing to have in common thank you Charlie I now love you um and asks what they're trying to prove you know what possible reason could there be for two intelligent responsible people who just happen to have an overwhelming physical attraction to each other to deny that attraction well sometimes there are reasons but at the moment they're both single they're both ready to mingle get on with it so he climbs into bed with Jen and she's like oh my god what are you doing fairly obvious that and then they start to kiss and Jen is still like honestly born a killer she's still like this doesn't mean that we have to we have to stop trying to find something that we've got in common and at some stage their relationship has to move out of the bedroom like why are you willing bed death on each other already the best parts of a relationship are those bits where you literally cannot wait to keep would like, you be less mad off. at this if this had been like two months in I'd be less mad at this if this had been like two months. Even two months because I'd be pretty disappointed. Mm, no, because then I feel like but it a would week, just be like, oh, a, a I'm week a bit, is literally I'm being like, a bit used you here. will do it anywhere. You will fuck anywhere. You will like, see, maybe I think like a man. Um, that's really sexist actually no I don't I think like somebody who enjoys sex and that initial phase is brilliant and you can't get it back and it's wonderful and it should be cherished for every dodgy random thing that you do in places that you shouldn't do it anyway I'm getting carried away that I can't so, believe how much you're sticking up for Charlie and I don't and have the also, energy to, has to nobody, argue has nobody so I think basically what I'm trying to say is has nobody ever heard of fuck buddies I know well yeah because Jen and Percy were almost fuck buddies and that was all fine. And that was then season got, three. I just, all I want, I just want the best for Jen. And again, Jen it's just, it's just painting. I don't think that it's she's frenetic. It's completely the way that they paint Jen. They've painted her with so many different people. I genuinely don't know who Jen is now because at one minute she's fun loving and she loves sex. At another point, she doesn't and I understand why because of her past. But she seems to have dealt with that. She wants to move forward. And now we're here. And it's, it's, it's not Jen. It's just not Jen for me. So I did say that they've uh. obviously got a really, really good sex life I might retract this slightly because they clearly got to have sex then they, Charlie realizes that they don't have any condoms because and I quote they used the one they had last night like seriously you had one condom in the entire house like for fuck's sake I know maybe this and, is all just and a you only did it once. <laughs> so Jen point. Jen suggests that they borrow one and I really think that Jen oh, really needs to focus on the definition of borrowing particularly <laughs> the bit down. where you're meant to give back what you've borrowed at some point like oh. no no so Charlie grabs her hand and pulls off the bed and Jen's like where are we going and Charlie's like we're gonna take this relationship out of the bedroom all right and I'm just like come on a tits mate seriously can't be asked but whatever we're going on an adventure okay. I can't be asked a prophylactic adventure a prophylactic adventure fucking brilliant thanks so much for this storyline Dawson's Creek right should we talk about a scene that is actually great and really lovely and I really liked and I was happy with it I say this now and I bet you anything mainly because Percy isn't peeling cunts and potatoes oh well it's just like Percy and Joey together are lovely you can't fault the chemistry you can't fault this scene like you can't fault them finally coming back together and having a bit of an understanding and I also, it melted me a little bit. And I think that 
I love the fact that it happened on a boat and I love the fact that like some of the sort of symbolism that went on. So I'll yes. talk about it a little bit and we'll get into it. So Joey, essentially, it's night now and Joey shows up at the harbour and she sees Percy and he's like looking up at the sky and she says, um, you can't see them very well, can you, at night in the city? And he says, what, the stars? And she's like, yeah, and he says, no, but I've seen them before. <laughs> oh you're so mean I loved it because I loved <laughs> all the references yeah, the is, references to them being on the boat together person, and I'm gonna shut up I tell you what after watching most of this episode I don't blame you after watching just the Charlie and Jen stuff you'd be right to be cynical but I just love the references to that the boat trip that they took and she says you know I've seen them too and he says I'm guessing Jen told you and that she sold him out. And what Joey says is, well, go easy on her. I did see you at the restaurant. And he's like, all right, okay. And she says, but after that, she did unravel like a cheap suit. And Percy says, that would explain why she hasn't been around to see me. And Joey's like, no, that's a man is the reason why she hasn't been around to see you. So... Joey then tells him about the Sunday dinners and that like they're really, really nice checking points and he should really try and come to that. And he says, oh, I will. And they have this sort of conversation about about easy to get getting lost in the big city and when you don't have the stars to guide you. And she says, just come along sometime. And then what Joey says is because Pace, I would hate that you not coming around had anything to do with me. And what he says is with you. And she says, oh, this thing we shared called the romance. And it did end really badly. And there was bitterness and tears and recrimination. And he says, yeah, I remember we dated once. And she's like, mm, yeah, we we did. And it was it. it's just so nice that the chemistry is still there. And they the still have that little hugely, bit. Yeah, it's, it's lovely. And they sort of smile. And then we obviously, because it wouldn't be a scene of Dawson's Creek with Joey in it at the moment, like stop doing this to Joey writers about she's forgotten about it anyway, because she slept with half the football team. Yeah. Then we get a, um, oh, great. He says just half. That's incredible. Straight on your part. Let's bring Audrey in because we haven't slut shamed her this episode, even though she's not there. So Joey says, well, I had to leave. No, this is the second it. time we've slut shamed her, actually, if you recall. There was something about the lacrosse team earlier. Ah, uh, of course, lacrosse football. They all blend into one mess of sweaty socks and tighty whities. But basically, Pacey then starts taking the piss out of her. And he's like, I feel sorry for this person. 24 hours a day confined to a small space with you. It's not healthy. And she says, I don't snore. And he says, like, I beg to differ, Joey. And it's just really nice. And by this point, they're on the boat. And there was this whole little bit where, like, Percy held out his hand to pull her on the boat. Like, that permission to come aboard, permission granted stuff that were in season three. And there was just bits of the, this, that there was this comfort and how much boats symbolise in Dawson's Creek as well. Like, when you think about, like, the symbolic nature of boats, even from the very beginning, when Joey used that boat to go from her side of the creek to Dawson's, you know, that sort of side where she felt, like, contained over to Dawson's where she didn't and when Percy and Joey got on that boat and that real symbolism of freedom and opportunity and of something else it's just really lovely so to have her and Percy have this conversation on the boat 
Like, I, lo- I loved it. I really did. So basically, Joey starts talking about this article she's read. And she says that contrary to all previous thinking on the subject, humans may actually be able to regrow brain cells. And then Pacey makes a joke about taking that. loads of drugs. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly why I'm saying thanks for that. <laughs> and Pacey's like, oh, so that all that saying all the drug stuff was a lot of shit then. And she's like, well, I wouldn't start like what she says is talking up. But d- yeah, just don't go sniffing up half of Columbia just yet, Pace. So she says... But if you want to call me anyway <laughs> but, she, but she's like don't go talking up just yet and he laughs and she says it means that in some point in the near distant future it may actually be possible to forget bad stuff and remember the good and he says I think that that's already possible and then they just start having a really lovely conversation and he's like tell me about the roommate and she's like tell me about the boat and it sort of fades out as they're having this conversation and I just thought it was lovely and throughout all of this say hello wave goodbye by David Gray's playing and it's just it's a lovely scene I really loved it apart from the little reference to shagging the football team because that's how you get over men everyone I loved it I loved the pair of them I loved that it was on a boat yeah I don't have much more to say and I'm glad that Pacey and Joey have been able to reach some sort of understanding I'm really glad so that was the best scene in the episode for me don't know about you yeah because Pacey wasn't peeling potatoes for a start oh don't get me because i'm gonna be a little bit annoyed with him this is where we start ramping things up i think oh this is certainly the beginning do you want to ramp it up the bit i want to ramp it up this is the beginning of the ramping ramp me all over (laughs) back to the learys back to the learys so Gail is fussing about Dawson checking that he's remembered his sweaters and pushing cookies on him like a deranged drug dealer when did Gail stop making cookies she just does not strike me as the type of person to do when that when she didn't have to deal with Dawson anymore I imagine this is true she's still really worried about how much he's eating I still can't see any difference in his weight because there's no difference because but Gail's, no Gail's a proper mum Katie you know they do is worry about the children's weight this is what mums do what well, mums do well mums I do mean, your mum does <laughs> yeah but the other way around stop eating <laughs> you used to be a size six bitch off mum anyway <laughs> hi if you're listening so they have a little fuss over Lily and Mitch walks in and Dawson hands him the airline ticket and basically says that he hopes that he can get a refund on it because of course Mitch is I do it. too of course um, well I fucking do too because all he does airline tickets all he does is spend money on Dawson um Dawson says look dad I I know that you think I'm making a mistake but if I am it's a mistake I've got to make for myself and I know that's so easy to say when you're gonna realize yeah I know and I'm only trying to be the kind of person you taught me to be seriously if my son was Dawson Leary and turned around and said that I would want to off myself like I have made you this this I have made you into this do you know what that kind of is one of the only things Dawson says where I'm like "Mm, I do get where you're coming from though Dawson because Mitch is very much uh you know dream big and you can do anything sort of character he is so that's the one thing parameters but that's what parents should do you know when your child is that age you should be encouraging them but encourage them within within certain parameters because you know you can't just say to them the world's your oyster and go out and do this thing because some things you've got to work for and some things you've got to put effort into so I think I think Dawson picks and chooses the kind of nuggets of wisdom that he gets 
I'm going to give this to Mitch. This is Mitch's whole point that Dawson has dreamed big and he's got his dream and now he's fucking it off after a few weeks. That's Mitch's point, isn't it? So like Dawson is sort of, you're exactly right, almost like taken some of Mitch's advice and bastardized it to fit yeah. what he wants to do. And like, I'll say it one more time. Mitch is right. Mitch is of course right. Mitch is right. Mitch is very right. So Mitch basically says, I think you're making a mistake, a huge mistake, and I'm in, I am disappointed in you, but never, oh. ever for a single second forget that I love you and I will always be here for you. Oh, all and of then it. He, then, he, then he does the Dawson flounce. He does he flounces <laughs> straight out the door. You'll notice he gets his coat and he's out the door. I Because I knew how this episode was going to end, I winced audibly yeah, winced when he said same, I am disappointed same, in same. you and I'm pleased that we got there I will always love you a bit after that but to say I am disappointed in you <sighs> that's what's going to stay with you isn't it so I hope we get some more of that next episode Dawson has full-on fuming nostrils during this as well I will say that like full-on the longest day nostrils fuming and it's like Dawson you don't have a right to be angry in this really like fair enough you can be upset you can be upset that your parents don't understand but to be as fuming as you are when you knew what you were coming into and you knew it was going to be tough I think contrite is probably the best way to play this yeah okay very much so. And then Dawson, yeah. because he's his own he's his own person and he can make decisions and he can do everything, asks his mum. Yeah, mom. Like, mom. And mom. girl's like, he'll be he'll be fine. Make sure you call him. <laughs> and, and Dawson says that he will. Okay. Well, Dawson goes and gets in a taxi and Mitch watches him do this. And Dawson drives off and, and Mitch is stood outside just watching Dawson go. And he is, uh, well, yeah, it, there's a lot of swelling violin orchestral music at this point anyway. Um, I love a swelling violin. Well, who um, doesn't? Like, speaking yeah, of things that are swelling. Ramp up that emotional manipulation. Oh, like, hey. We, uh, I'll try and summarise. Please, so, sum it up. Sum it up. If I'll have time in you. One one minute or less, go off on. you go. Fuck this storyline. Jen and Charlie like, don't literally. understand that. <laughs> Jen and Charlie don't understand that most convenience stores sell condoms, so they decide to break into some sort of sexual health center. <laughs> Super romantic. Jen says it's breaking and entering a typical second date for you. Personally, I like to be broken and entered on the first date, Jen. But anyway, <laughs> Charlie says that they're not breaking and entering because the window is open. And he basically says that there's a Boston Bay tradition um, and she says, well, breaking in and stealing a condom. And he says, no, and it turns out that there's a massive glass container filled with condoms on the corner with a sign over it. And he says, mm. we're not stealing it, they're free. The sign says, gift to the class of 1990, hope you get laid. And then we get this huge thing where <laughs> Jen's like, so I thought he was just making it funny, but Jen's like, can you not read it? Now I thought something huge Oh, was this come is out the here. most ridiculous I thought, thing. Kate. I thought Charlie was going to be like blind or have dyslexia. And <laughs> I thought like you, really I thought he was going to have like yeah where we yeah do you know what i mean read. like this could yeah. have been a really emotive storyline but it turns out he couldn't read it and because it actually says gift to the class of 1990 in 1990 in anticipation of a world without aids and jen works out that he's near sighted and they have a to and fro about whether or not he is or he isn't but he is and 
Charlie doesn't wear glasses because he's vain as fuck, and that's literally it. And for whatever reason, <laughs> that and that's gets, why he doesn't like that subtitles. Gets, yes, that's why he doesn't like subtitles. That gets Jen's clitter throbbing, and they sink to the floor kissing, and he reaches for a condom. Um, I don't. Who know wants to, to shag that. on that floor? I'm sorry, but people walk all over that, and it's probably like, oh, like no, no, Jen and Charlie. Oh, would you? Like there's I mean, plenty of there's probably yeah, a sofa yeah. somewhere there <laughs> on that floor. No, I wouldn't do it over the counter. I don't know, but I will say this: <laughs> it makes a completely different thing for over the counter medication, doesn't it? Fuck boys, be Just fuck boys, because the reason that Charlie won't wear his glasses is because they make him look like a dark. Charlie, I'm not you getting involved really in this leaned conversation. In, leaned into that fuck boy <laughs> darkism. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, because I'm of darky boy girls is, don't like me. Intellectually, Mr. Trickster, Charlie. However, I refuse to wear my glasses in public as well. Um, I wear them for work. On no, but you've got contact lenses. I know, and maybe Charlie should get some too. But I am all, I am also vain. Charlie and I are the same person. It turns out Charlie like, is a vain fucker, and that should got put Jen Charlie off. Inside but of but Jen is on every level. Jen is chuffed to fucking bits that she's found out something about Charlie, even yeah, though it is something. He's a lying just... vain twat. There we go. <laughs> fuck oh, boys, be fuck boys, can't. everyone. Don't try to so... unfuck a fuck boy. Just saying. Right, let's finish Jack's storyline for this. Let's for this finish episode. Jack off. Let's finish Jack off, if only, mate. God, we got worse towards the end of this episode. So Jack's saying that he doesn't want to fill a quarter, and whoever this person <laughs> is whose name we can't decide on. Blossom, is... I'm sure it's Blossom. Well, he says that you know the reason that we came after you, but the truth is we like you and you are filling a quarter, but we all are. We're all unique. We're all unique, everyone. And that's what makes us kick butt. Lovely. (laughs) But what Jack, and this is why I just wish this stuff was more explored because Jack is totally right about like the implications in the early 2000s of having a gay fraternity member. Because he's saying, you want a gay guy in the house. And he's like, we do, we do, but you're the one we want. And Jack says, but do you understand the reality of this? Jackie, I'm so glad this is why we present a podcast together because anybody else would think I was just doing some sort of weird gorilla impression <laughs> but no you knew exactly where I was going with that he's the one Not that we want he is the one you want ooh, 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 Jackers. he is but Jack, like, is saying, do you understand the, the reality of this like when my boyfriend comes to visit he'll be here too oh. Uh, well, do you know what? Actually, this is what really fucked me off. Actually, my friend is when my boyfriend Toby no comes to visit, to be him, he's going to no be eating here, partying here, and fucking preaching here. <laughs> and if I live in the house, you know, he's going to be sleeping here and showering here. And Blossom or whatever he's called says, Jack, Toby is welcome. Even if you don't live at the house, if he needs a place to crash, this is his home too. And this is what it means to be a brother. And this is lovely and this is heartwarming. And I have never ever wanted to see homophobia in a scene so much, but I wanted them to be like, nah. <laughs> Tobes fuck off because I'm not sorry <laughs> not it's not about anybody. homophobia it's just about it's having to- people good taste <laughs> it's just about it's having taste in people anyway it's clear that Jack is going to pledge to Sigma and everyone gets all excited and Jack's like sign me up Oof. I hope to see this go somewhere 
So do I. What they've, we'll what they've said, what they, it. what they, no, we'll never hear about it again. We'll just see me in a jack of potato and having some beer occasionally with these inappropriate <laughs> people. However, you know, the first scene when they were like, we need a gay tokenism and to up our quota, not so great. This scene is like, yeah, that is what we need, but we we want you, and it doesn't matter. I mean, it's it's beneficial that you are gay, and sometimes they could have said that originally. We'll get, they? yeah, you will get things because it's beneficial because of who you are for a, a myriad of different reasons. But then they genuinely do not seem bothered. Um, so yeah, he says sign me up. They all cheer and they all lift Jack up on their shoulders and bras be bras, just banter be please. Brat bras. So this next scene, I'm not going to spend too much time on this because it f- very very rare for me um, with a scene with Pacey Pacey and it, it annoyed potatoes. me. It annoyed me. Right. So Danny comes over and dumps all of Percy's potatoes in the bin. Fair enough. He's te- teaching him a lesson. Kid. He's te- right. He is. He's teaching him a lesson. So Percy has been bitching and mourning all episode about peeling potatoes because essentially what Danny is doing is trying to teach him, as Karen said earlier in the episode, like basically classic culinary methods. So Percy is very annoyed at these potatoes being thrown in the bin and he has like a little bitch about that. I mean, he has spent hours, days, whatever, peeling potatoes. But I know, but also like if you want to teach someone something, explain to them why you're doing it in the first place rather than making... But then maybe they wouldn't do it in the way that you would want them to. Possibly. Manipulation. Possibly. It's all manipulation. It's all manipulation. It's the season to be manipulated, I told you. So it is the season. Fa la 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 la. Right. So then what he does is he pulls Percy over to another station and he gives him something and says, cut that. And Percy doesn't know what it is. Sorry. But he cuts it. Also, can I just say the way he held it, he was going to cut his (laughs) thumb off. He held it completely incorrectly. I watch a lot of cooking shows. I absolutely know this, people. Catherine Be careful of your thumbs. Who knows how to hold it correctly? <laughs> who knows how to hold an expensive white truffle correctly? So, what we find out is that Percy is indeed slicing a white truffle, which is super fucking expensive. And what Danny says is, if I just let some kid start cutting this up, it would be, like, ridiculous. What he says is, that would really make me a whack job, which is what Percy called him to Karen earlier. And he gets Percy to taste it, and Percy's like, okay, right, I get, I get it, I get it. And then what we find out, and this is the bit I didn't like, I actually didn't mind the end, the end of this storyline for Percy so much as much as I minded this little bit. Because what Danny says is, Karen has more discipline and motivation than Slackass like you will ever have. But this is not kickboxing, which I thought was a really weird reference. Yes, yeah, like, also it Karen just a seems vaguely sex- sexist. It feels vaguely sexist. It's like Karen could do the job really well, but I'm not going to give it to her. And well, no, but that's what I don't like about it. That's what I don't like about it. And then he, what he says is, and that's why I wouldn't give her your job. And Percy's response to this, and this is what I hate, is that he laughs. He laughs and he's like, oh, she wanted my job. This isn't the Percy I know. Percy would be like, oh, God, right, I understand why she's annoyed at me. I understand why, like, I, like this is not the Percy to laugh and go, oh, my God, she wanted my job. Like, he's a bit too pleased about this. And it's not Percy. It's a really small thing, but it fucked me off a bit. Danny says, you're not going to pick this up through sheer will. Cooking is a craft which can't be taught, but it can be 
learned. And Pacey's like, what the fuck? And Danny's like, clean up your station. You're cooking the truffle ravioli tomorrow. So Pacey is getting an important job, essentially, because Pacey yeah. is amazing at everything Pacey does, apart from be nice life. to Karen. <laughs> no, don't be mean. He's Pacey good at life, but apart but at the from moment. be nice to Karen, I'm I, like that little bit where he laughed because she wanted his job really fucking yeah, fucked agreed. me off. And it's not like Percy. But anyway, right. So we're Percy's going to be a successful chef. I see it in the cards, and I'm not mad because I want Percy to succeed, and Percy deserves to succeed. So fine. So then we've got Joey coming home and she is about to go back into her dorm room. She's looking in a mailbox and we see Dawson just sat on some stairs loitering with intent rather than as soon as Joey walks over going, Joey, he watches her for a bit and then he's like, eh. <laughs> um, and he asks her how how her weekend has been and she's like strange and unusual. What about yours? And he says strange and unpleasant. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bother and she asks if everything's okay and he says well it's not not really I've alienated my parents and now again again <laughs> and now I've been left adrift in a sea of uncertainty oh god it's so but what else is new right so dramatic oh like Leon why is Dawson suddenly being painted as someone who's never really known what he wants? Like, I can't yeah. cope with it. It's so, like, him going, like, what else is new? A sea of uncertainty. Like, shut up, Dawson. Just shut up. And I know he's a teenager, and I know he's been characterised as a teenager, but it doesn't make sense within the narrative. Like, oh, it doesn't make sense. So she says, can she help? And he's like, tell me I've made the right decision. And that it will have positive repercussions. And she's like, I can't do it. Like, you know, I can't do that. And he's like, oh, damn. And what she does say is, I can tell you that there is no right and wrong, just a consequence of your action. And he's like, what? And she's like, oh, I don't know. My sociology professor said it last week and I thought it sounded profound. It is quite profound and it's actually quite correct. That yeah. One of the things about decisions is, and this is the point where Dawson is, and again, I wish it had been explored more. I'll say it one more time. That for those at the back that can't hear, oh, <laughs> explore it more. But that Dawson could stay at USC and he wouldn't know how Boston would have worked out, and Dawson no. could go to Boston and he wouldn't know how USC could have worked out. It could work out a lot better. It could work out Next a lot worse. Doors. But, exactly. But the problem, the the problem, and the good thing is, you will never ever know. So there's only the consequences left, really. Which is so it like again, it's it's a valid thing, but it's a pity that they couldn't get there so he says like right okay I'm just gonna get on a plane right now and she's like we've tried that and you're like Dustin Hoffman and Rayman we just can't get there okay and she's like let's have a cup of coffee and he says yeah time to get acquainted with this city of yours which I thought was quite interesting <gasps> Freezing. Yeah. I'd need something harder but go on and I don't mean like that <laughs> but Joey City he's moving to Joey City I just thought it was incre incredibly interesting phrase in there it is it is a really interesting but what's more interesting is that Joey seems to have no reaction to Dawson stalking her across the globe I, I mean he's only going up from Cape Side to Boston but you know he's made this huge decision and it doesn't really feel like it's been touched on by either of them together but I'm sure we will have many more episodes that explore that Woo. so um, brilliant so what I thought was interesting here is as they walk off there's music sort of playing and they're having this conversation but it's sort of 
it's not like full on dialogue, if that makes sense. But what Dawson says is, and I thought it was really interesting. He, like Joey was like, what was like being back in Cape side and Dawson was like, they're pulling the real or down, which I felt bad for the real or because I'm pretty yeah, sure they only just renovated it quite well, recently. isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, Cape side, you, you've got too much money. Exactly. Maybe spend it on getting some more ambulances. Just a little FYI. Um, <laughs> but then but what Joey says is, it, it is symbolism everything. about everything and about, and Joey says it shows you can never go home. Right, let's do this uh, scene. Okay, we've got Mitch getting into his car with an ice cream in his hand. I'm going to try not to laugh because it's the it's just ridiculous. It's, it, it, it's, it's, yeah. Mitch deserved fucking more than this. He deserved more than this. He didn't even get to finish the ice cream. Oh, uh, he didn't even get to finish the ice cream. He didn't get to get to finish listening to Dorby Gray. He, like it's Mitch is in the car and he's singing Drift Away by Dorby Gray, which is a great song. Um, and my husband was like in the background while I was watching this. And he's like, I sing this song. I do a cover of this song. What's this song? Did you and tell him can- never to do it again, especially not with ice cream in cars? I know. Oh, God. Like, it's, it is really disappointing. So Mitch is getting really into Drift Away, which you would. Like, when you get to the car, it's like, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul. Like, he gets into it and he knocks, like, a bit of ice cream off the top of his corn and goes down to get it and as he comes up there is a sound of a horn and a a blaring light and Mitch is clearly going to get into a car accident and he looks totally shocked as Drift Away by Dobby Gray is playing in the background and all I wrote there was Finn because do you know what Charlie I like fucking subtitles (laughs) Don't be ableist I am um, <laughs> non vain. <laughs> I just don't be a glasses on where I just watch her put, put fucking glasses on. I am not mad at them. I mean, I am mad at them killing off Mitch because I know like we have stuff to say about him, but I like him. I like John Wesley Ship. I like. Like, I like Mitch's presence in Dawson's Creek and I'm sorry, I'm sorry that this this character is clearly not going to be with us any longer, but Mitch is better than this death. This is apparently very well known as one of the worst TV deaths of all time. And not from a heart-rendering perspective. No, um, no, like the most ridiculous, most ridiculous, most ridiculous, not worst, most ridiculous. As I say, as a narrative point, I don't mind it. I would have preferred to keep Mitch, but I don't mind it. And I understand that this is going to open all sorts of things up for Dawson and Joey particularly. But just why like this? Why? Yeah, agreed, agreed, agreed. And now, like me, Dawson also doesn't have a dad. (laughs) (laughs) How quickly I turned that back round to me. Oh, well Um, done, Kay. Very well done. So really now I think that this is all going to be about next episode. And next episode is the reason why we didn't want to. Because actually, if we'd worked out, next episode should have been coming out almost today, if that makes sense. So it would have been our Christmas episode and we didn't want it. So we just thought, as we said at the beginning of the episode, we just wanted to bum everyone out on New Year instead. So get ready for that, everyone. But it's very much a a dodgy episode. I can't be asked with this Jen and Charlie stuff. I don't need this in my life. Do better. Jen is, as always, yet another storyline that Jen gets where we're like, no, Jen is better than this. Yet another one. Agreed. Agreed. And they need to sort that out and make it better. Oh, God. Absolutely. So I suppose all that's left to say is, Merry fucking Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. 
Have a wonderful one if you're listening to this before Christmas. And if not, like, well, we just hope you're all right. Thank you, as always, for listening. You can get hold of us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, email. Reach out. I will try my best to respond, but apparently I'm not very good at it at the moment. And I do apologise profusely to the people who've emailed me and I've only just responded to or not at all. I love you and I apologise and it gives me anxiety. So I've just almost, I'm very sorry, just put my um shitness back onto you there merry shitness but you know that was very leo very leo of me Katie. it was you're learning <laughs> so there's like three worlds more since i've become a well, leo the world doesn't need as more leos in fairness but <laughs> so that's us for another week we it will be a probably a bonus because again we don't want to put episode far out too close to christmas we'd just rather put it out in the most depressing month of the year i.e january, january yeah because we'd like to exacerbate that depression and ramp it up a little <laughs> bit more because that's just the kind of twats that we are if we're suffering you should suffer too we love you we love you so much have a brilliant Christmas, everyone. We will see you ho, next ho, week. Ho. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Santa comes but once a year. Lucky Santa. <laughs> <laughs> Very unlucky Santa, actually. <laughs> Depends on what side of the car you're on. Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>